ready to take a ride, grab your coffee, and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Welcome back to the Omega Man Radio Show. Tonight is a live broadcast. It is Wednesday, August 25th. We're doing a double feature today. We had Charlie Holtzhauser on in the last program doing a mass deliverance and some spiritual warfare boot camp training. Took a break, and we are back. And uh, I hope that you are tuning in right now live. We're going to have special guest Elizabeth Nebenfuhr, General Tom Briggs, Salt Ministries, and others on the program tonight. Uh, We're going to have Sister Elizabeth share her testimony. This is a testimony you do not want to miss. And uh, she died on the operating table. God took her in the gore, and she saw a glimpse of what's waiting. And, you know, folks, as we talked about in a pre-show, there's a fine line between calling yourself a Christian and being a Christian. And, you know, the lukewarm don't make it into heaven. And so this is a stern warning to make sure that you have chosen this day whom you're going to serve, because in a split second, when your spirit leaves the body, You can be in eternity, just like Martin Short's wife this week. And you're either going to be with the Lord, or you're going to be in hell awaiting final sentencing and be cast into the lake of fire in outer darkness. God forbid. But uh, if you are listening, you still have an opportunity to make a decision. While there's breath, there's still hope and there's still opportunity. But only God knows how much more time he's going to give you and I to make that decision. So uh, don't delay. Without further ado, let me go to the telephone lines. Let's get Sister Elizabeth on the line. Sister, you're on the line. How are you tonight? I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Thank you for having me on this evening. Um, it's a privilege and an honor to serve our Lord Jesus Christ and to... Um, to serve our brothers and sisters out there as well. This message is not going to be, some of it is good news, you know, and unfortunately some of it is not so good news for those that uh, that don't um, heed to the Word of God and the truth. So I, I really hope that this wakes up some people. It sure woke me up. So I, I really feel that it's time, it's absolute time to share this message. So... Thank you so much for having us here. It's, it's sobering today. Um, I've actually entered in with fear and trembling this day. Um, it's been long. It's a, been a long wait. God has told me it's time to release this message. So, thank well, you, praise, Shannon. Well, praise God. I'm. Uh, it's an honor to have you on tonight to do that. And uh, would you start out the program in prayer? Yes, absolutely. Father God, I come before you, O Lord, and I ask you to wash me clean and afresh, O God. Lord, I ask this day that that there be ears to hear, Lord God, those things that you, you want your children to hear, Father God. Lord, draw them unto you so that they hear this message clearly, Father God. Lord, draw those unto you that, that haven't yet known you, Father God, but are, are waiting in the sidelines, Lord God, and all they have to do is step over, Father God. And I just ask that they step over into the light, Father, and, and that the truth would set them free, Father God. Oh, Lord, this is a glorious day to serve you, Father God. Lord, I come before you with fear and trembling, O oh God. And um, 
Lord, I know that there's children out there that are walking in the lukewarmness of of uh, their comfort, just a comfort zone, Lord God. And I ask that they step out of their comfort zone, Lord God, and, and receive you, Lord God, because to be squeezed means to be uncomfortable, Father God. So, Lord, I just ask that they just give themselves unto you, Father God, and that this message, Lord God, that this message goes deep into their heart, Father God, and it takes root, Lord God, as a seed that is planted in, in fertile soil, Lord God. And that, Lord, that they would be shooken up so that they would serve you in spirit and in truth, Lord God, that they wouldn't walk in compromise anymore, Father God, but they would give all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength unto you, O God. And I grant this day as a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we praise you and we honor you, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And uh, before we get started, I would like you all to go ahead and give out your uh, website and your ministry contact information, if you would. It's www.saltministries.wordpress.com. www.saltministries.wordpress.com. Can you hear us okay over there, Shannon? Yes, I, I can hear you fine. Your, your signal's coming in great. And folks, I've got that up in the show notes. I would encourage you to go over and check that out. Uh, It's a powerful ministry that uh, God is doing out there in the Seattle area and over the Internet. I mean, uh, these videos can be accessed from anybody in the world. And um, you're doing a great work over there, Elizabeth, um, General Tom Briggs, Matthew, Brother Nevin Fuhrer, and and the rest that are working out there. So folks, uh, go check them out. Uh, Elizabeth, let me give you the mic. Uh, where would you like to begin? Oh, wow. Uh, well, um, let me, can I start off, uh, I'd like to start off in 2003 and kind of push, push past a little bit because this, um, this really reflects on uh, in 2000, uh, 2006, but 2003, I really became born again, serving the Lord with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I was a lukewarm Christian, called myself a Christian, but I was walking in sin. And uh, in 2003, the morning of Mother's Day morning, 2003, I heard the Lord's voice, and he spoke to me, and he told me that I needed the Holy Spirit. And uh, now knowing who our, our beautiful Holy Spirit is, I know that we can do nothing without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If we call ourselves Christians and we're not moving in the activation of the Holy Spirit, which comes to guide us and direct us and to convict us, then we're lost. We're absolutely lost. It's just, it's just religion and it's, it's just going to church on Sunday. It's, it's, uh, it's walking in lukewarmness. And so 2003 is when I truly came to the Lord and said, that's it, um, I, can, I can't do this on my own, and, and uh, I submitted my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I heard him like thunder, um, and it, it was fearful, it was a fearful day, and yet the most wonderful day of my life, and, uh, and in 2004, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I knew that that was a, a wake-up call as well and that the devil wanted me out and because the Lord said that I was chosen from the beginning of the foundation and that's why the devil wanted me dead. 
And uh, so 2004, being diagnosed with breast cancer, in July of 2004, I, uh, I lost a breast, had a mastectomy in my breast, and um, went through the chemo and the radiation and all of that, and just held on to the Lord with, with everything that I had, and, and I knew that God was preparing me for something, and so um, I went on the operating table. Uh, this wasn't what the mastectomy, what had happened was my arm atrophied, from the chemo, I originally tried to be stubborn and have the chemotherapy in my arm, and uh, and what had happened was later I, I from a result of that that stubbornness and of not wanting to uh, go through another operation and all of that, um, because they had to put a port in so that the chemo can go right directly to my heart and and it, wow. with fear, not trusting in God, I I with you know I, I went against what he first originally asked me to do, and my arm atrophied. And with that, I had to go in for surgery again anyway to release that arm from that atrophy. And that's when I saw the Lord. And, uh, you know, he told me to write everything down on tablets because there's going to be people that don't, uh, don't believe what I had to say and wanting to uh, align everything with the Word of God. So I'm... Um, you know, this is, I, wa- I want people to know that this is not something that I've been pondering over for years and years and, and waiting for the day that I can share this with the world. It's, um, it just, I just knew that I was woke up uh, just here the other, a few weeks ago and that it was time. The first vision, um, it, it, it was not a dream at all. Um, when you have a dream, you wake up and you know it's a dream. You know that you've been dreaming. But this was uh, more real than our more real than our everyday life. More real than if you were to reach out and touch your flesh right now. Um, and I was with the Lord, and I'd like to share that with you. If it's okay, if I I'm going to look at some of my notes, if that's okay, because Sister, uh, uh, you uh, take all the time you need. Uh, we've got plenty of time tonight. Uh, we can take up to three hours if necessary. Praise God. So, praise God. There's no limitations. So I want you to relax. And, uh, folks, if you're tuning in, you're listening to Omega Man Radio Network, and we've got Elizabeth Nebenfuhr on the line with the Salt Ministries crew. And um, it's been an awesome testimony, folks. It's not too late to get your friends and family to tune in, especially your lost loved ones. They need to listen. And uh, those that uh, are in on the fence straddling, one foot in the world and one foot uh, trying to serve the Lord. It's a wake-up call for us all when uh, someone can uh, catch a glimpse of eternity and come back and tell us uh, what the reality of it is, what waits on the other side. Elizabeth, this is Tom Briggs. Hi, everybody. Um, hi, and, hi, Shannon. How are you doing? Good, brother. Good. Um, for the sake of the audience, they might be asking themselves at this point, you said you, had, uh, you were on the operating table and died, and then you said... You're about to tell us a dream. Was this dream on the operating table, or what's the what's the sequence of events? Okay, um, so they might so uh, have that clarified. What's going on? Okay, um, let's see. Well, the I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what it, what it was that I said. Sorry about that. Um, I said a vision. Um, I as we call it, we call it a vision. Um, I would say visitation. I'd like, I would like to make it clear that it wasn't a vision, 
It was actually a visitation. I was with the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. It was not a dream. It was even beyond a vision. It was so real as like touching your flesh right now. Uh, it was a visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had to die to experience this. My body had to die. I was dead on the operating table. So we'll make that clear. Did they screw up or what on the operating table? Um, from what I understand, uh, because of the – now, they said that um, – that there was too much anesthesia that was possibly given. Um, and I'm not real good with anesthesia, and I knew that from the get-go. I always pray before I go in on you know, any kind of uh, surgery and have to have anesthesia because my body does not uh, take to it very well at all. I actually get very, very sick from it. Um, I've had quite a few operations prior to this one. So I knew, you know, going in, but this time I knew the Lord. <laughs> so. I'm praying beforehand. I knew that I was going to, I actually knew the Lord had shown me that I was going to be with him uh, on this day, that he, was, he had something to show me and something to tell me. So I was prepared. So um, does that clarify that, Tom? Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read a little from my notes, and anyone that has a question can go ahead and call in. Um, I, just, uh, I just thank the Lord for this time. Okay. On February 9, 2006, I went in for the shoulder surgery, like I said, and I had had surgeries before, and I'd experienced God's presence many times before, and I knew that this time it was going to be different. I knew that when I was, when he had told me that he was, that I was going to be with him, it wasn't like when I'm in prayer. This was going to be re so so much more real, like I was going to enter into something different, but I, I didn't have the clarification, but I trusted him. I trusted him with, with everything that I had, and I, I just said, yes, Lord. And so when I was on the operating table, I prayed prior to, to um, the, the surgery, along with the doctors and the nurses, which is an amazing testimony. And um, when I saw the Lord... Uh, I was standing in the presence of Jesus Christ, okay, and I was abiding in Him. Now, I, this is this is what I want everybody to do, if they could, is just um, know who you are in Christ at this time, and what He means by abiding. You're abiding in Him. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. So when I was with Him, and I'm not reading from notes now. So um, when I was with Him, I was standing in Him. He was standing in me. He was before me. He was all around me. The, the, everywhere was God. Everywhere. And when I saw him, he went on forever and ever and ever. As I looked upward, I'm telling you, I was in fear and trembling. My spirit was in fear and trembling as I stood before God. God stood before me and he stood all around me. Um, it's very hard to articulate, and to, there's no, no words in the English language that can even describe that experience. So even, even sharing this, I was like, God, I don't know how to tell people how absolutely glorious you are. Now, I have to tell you that I need to, today, the Lord says, I want you to share with them the first surgery, and then the second surgery. I want you to share with them the good news, and then I want you to share 
the other news and why we need the good news. It's just like how we preach the Word of God, okay? Now, I have had a glimpse of hell, and we did, we, we described, or we, you talked about that as well, and I did have a glimpse of heaven, and I want to share the heavenly part before the other, if that's okay with you, Shannon? Absolutely, and I just want to make a, uh, a comment, folks. Listen, your life hangs in the balance when you're on an operating table. They give you a little too much of the anesthesia, and it's over for you. Your heart stops. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's that serious. Every time you go to sleep, it could be the last time. You may not wake up again. You can lay down tonight and go to bed, and you may not wake up again. Um, so I just wanted to add, add that, and this is this is a true story, folks, that you're listening to. Let me give it back to you, sister. Go for it. Okay. Now, I want you to know that I was a brand-new Christian when I had been diagnosed with cancer, and being so, um, the chemo and all of that, it kind of let, it, it, it put me down into a place where I was seeking the Lord but not reading the Word as much as I should have. I clung to the Word and the Word that I knew. So when I was with the Lord, everything had to line up with the Word of God. I said, Lord, when I, when, when I go back, I need to find this in your word because people are going to question that and everybody wants to line up, we are to do this, you know, um, to take and test the spirits and line everything up with the word of God. So um, that was, a, that even, even standing with God, I was like, everything that you tell me has to line up with your word, God, you know. And um, so as I was with the Lord, I, I saw him, this is the first time, with the with the uh, shoulder surgery, and he went on forever. And I, this is this is the most magnificent thing that I can share with people. And I, I just want you to embrace God's love for His children. And so here I am. I'm standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he went on as a as an old growth tree. If anyone has ever seen old growth trees, they're humongous and they're beautiful, and they just go on up, 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 up forever. And um, his garments were white, and they were glistening, and they were singing praises to God. It was beautiful. And his face shone like the sun. There was no facial features that I could see, uh, just that his face shone like the sun but did not blind my eyes. And he had some things to tell me, and he wanted me to share them with the body. He says, Elizabeth, I have something very important to share with you. So I'm going to go ahead and read from my notes, if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, he was there before me, more real than anything I've ever experienced in my life. He was magnified over and over and over again. I thought, he's beautiful and he's huge. That was, that was what I was thinking. This is, as, as I was thinking that, the Lord was smiling. I was saying, God, you're humongous. You're huge. He, he's, he's, he's personable. We can speak to him just like I'm speaking to you right now. And so he was like an old growth tree, spread out, reaching as high as we can see. His robe was stunning. It was not as if it was made of material. It was made of light, dancing and sparkling like a delicate veil, but I could not see through it. It moved like a silken garment blowing in a gentle summer breeze. It was breathtaking. It billowed. It spoke heavenly praises to the one who wore it. Then I looked up at his face, and it shone like the sun. I saw no features, only pure white-yellow light. 
And in Matthew 17, 2, like I said, I had to line everything up with the Word of God. It says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. The warm light was shining where a face would be. And at that moment, I thought of myself, and I thought, this was a different, I was in a different spirit, okay? So now I'm starting to wonder what is going on here. And I knew I was in a different spirit. I could feel that I had long hair. Now, mind you, when I was on the operating table having this surgery, I had very, very, very little hair due to chemotherapy. And um, so I, I, in, the, in, in my spirit, I had very long hair, and I was childlike, and I knew the reason why I had long hair is because my, my desire was to wash Jesus' feet with my hair. And he was, as he was speaking to me, he, he was showing me all of these things and how, how much I was like this woman. That's another testimony. Was I, I'm much like the woman that washed his feet with my tears and dried them with my hair. Wow. And so... Like, I had a childlike spirit, and I didn't think about anyone, just Jesus and I. I knew I I wouldn't be staying with him forever yet. I sensed he had a message to give. I did not speak with my mouth. I would just think, and he would answer. Our thoughts are not our own. I believe I was in a place where we go before we're taken into the kingdom. Then he spoke, when he spoke, his he was gentle and he was calm, and he said, I have work for you, Elizabeth, and you must listen. I shook my head and I said in my spirit, yes, yes, yes. I was in awe. My mouth, I, I, my spiritual mouth was open. I know it was open. And I stood, as I stood before him, I felt like I was, as I was standing in the spirit, I was on my knees too. I, I can't explain it. I, I just, this is, this is how I have to tell you. We are on our knees. We are on our knees. And um, he said, Elizabeth, tell them I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And I shook my head, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. And he said, before I come, there will be catastrophic events and great destruction. And again, I sensed in my spirit that he was preparing me. And he wants his children prepared. That word prepared. When, when he spoke to, him, to me in my spirit, it, that word prepared, it was as if he was showing me what we need to do and, and how, how we need to be prepared. It's not going to glory schools. It's not going to supernatural schools. Now I'm going to start talking a little bit here. But it's not, it's not about reading books. It's about spending time with our Lord, getting in your prayer closet, getting on your face, and crying out to him with yes. everything that you have. Lord, what can I do for you? How can I be prepared to serve you? What do you want me to do for you? Okay? And so in Mark 13, this is, these are the scripture verses he gave me to, to, to share. In Mark 13, 1 through 37, he wants his children to read and to, to meditate on it. And then he said, um, he showed me all these things, the catastrophic events, the earthquakes, the things that are going to happen. He showed me it was like it was coming before me on a big screen. And I have to tell you 
that these things that we're seeing now, the, the, the earthquakes and the floods and, and our, the political powers and, and all of these things that we're seeing now are the things that he showed me in the spirit. And as I speak to you right now, I am shaking on the inside because our, our Lord is coming very soon. Very, very, very soon. He said there will be hopelessness. And when he spoke hopelessness, he cried. He cried. He wept. He wishes not one to perish. And he knew my spirit. And he said, Elizabeth, don't be afraid. Tell them, tell my children, do not be afraid. And that he'll let us know. He will let us know. We will know the signs and we will know the times. He's a faithful God. For those that seek him, he will show us these things. He will show us the signs. Look up. Look up. Look around you. There's signs all around. He seems sad. And, and now, when we, when, when we are weak, who is made strong? The Lord is made strong. He's, he, he fills us with courage. He says, be of good courage, my children. Be of good courage. Be strong and of good courage is what he said. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and, good, and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, he is the one that goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And then this is when I said to him, I said, nobody is going to believe me. Nobody is going to believe me. And he said, Elizabeth, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. I don't call myself a prophet, but the Lord says that when his children speak out the oracles of God and speak out the truth, that's what he calls them. God himself calls us those things. I'm no one. I'm just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Elizabeth, you must tell them all of what I tell you and show you. And I shouted in my spirit, they won't believe me. You see where I am in the natural, Lord. All I can think is that I'm in the hospital. I'm under anesthesia. I'm on an operating table. Nobody's going to believe me. Then I said, they'll think that this is some wild dream from the anesthesia. Then suddenly I knew for myself I had dreams all of my life and I'd never thought like this in them. Do we think like that in our dreams? Do we think that this is a dream? No. Not, not, very, very, very rarely. And so instantly something happened inside of me, a healing of my memory, an infusion of knowledge, an infusion of courage, boldness. I saw a vision of a dog. He showed me a vision of a dog shaking off water after its bath, and the Lord said, this is how the medication is going to leave your system. Then he assured me that I would be going home promptly without getting sick or being lethargic. I was completely sober when I woke up, to the puzzlement of the nurses and the doctors and even my husband. I went home without, and within 15 minutes of my recovery. Then I said, they will not believe me, Lord. They will not believe me when I was with him. They will not believe me. And he said, it doesn't matter what man thinks. Or, and he was bold. And he, when, he, when he 
spoke, he was even, there, was, there was even an anger in his voice because there's so many that are speaking the truth and people aren't hearing them. There are many that are speaking false, and he is angry at those that are speaking falsely against him. He's angry at those that are prostituting the anointing. Now, that's a whole other show, brother. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, and he's, I said, God, they're going to mock me. They're going to mock me. I'm going to be, he showed me that I'd be out in the streets, that I would be lifting up my voice. This is, you know, this is unnatural in, in, in the church, you know, to lift up your voice for the Lord, that they were going to mock, and even the Christians were going to come against the word of God because for, for one reason or the other. And, and he said, Elizabeth, they mocked me first. They mocked me first, Matthew 27, 28 through 31. And then, then instantly I knew who I was. He showed me who I was to him and what I was to do. He said, you're my child. You're a child of God whose son came into the world so that, that I, Elizabeth, and that you as a Christian, those that call themselves his, stop taking the word Christian and, and, and blaspheming God by calling yourself a Christian and not walking as Christian. I'll tell you, God is angry about those that call themselves Christians and are behaving like the devil, calling evil good and good evil. He showed me these things when I was with him. There's, there's a kingdom of beauty and splendor and, and riches and glory for those that abide in Christ, being in, abiding in Christ means being obedient to him. He says, I love those that keep my commandments. Correct? Amen. I said, Lord, when I go out and I do these things for you, Father God, he's filling me with his boldness. I said, God, when I, I can't do anything without you. I said, I can do nothing, nothing without you, Lord. And I was screaming this in my spirit. I can do nothing without you. He imparted boldness to me. And, and I said, Lord, I want it to be all you, all you, Lord. And I was crying and crying and crying. I said, I don't want any of it to be of me. Just take what needs to be removed, Lord. Show me how to serve you. I don't want to boast of myself. And suddenly something happened. He filled me again. He says, you will boast of me. You will boast of me. I'm not here to try to make a name of myself or Salt Ministries or anyone. For that. I, I, I want to make a name that's a name above all names. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He says, Elizabeth, I'll give you a mouth of wisdom which, no, with, which all of your adversaries will not be able to resist or contradict. I believe he knew that all I wanted was him, and something in me died that day, and something was born in me as well. The entire time, all I could do was stand in awe of him. I'm sure that it was he that stood me to my spiritual feet. Should I have fainted? Absolutely. I should have died that day. I was listening with full obedience as to what God was saying to me. He was filling me with boldness. He was pure love. I don't think we can feel love like that here on earth. We don't understand God's love. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to experience God's love. God's, God's face was of a different light. It was of spirit light, and his robe was created of light. His robe was alive. I couldn't take my eyes off of him. And then he gestured with his hand, moving his massive arms. As he did it, he was clearing the atmosphere. 
like when we move the water with our arms when we swim. I did not see his Neil Pierce hands, as many asked me. No, I did not. I believe there was a reason for this, and I did not ask. His robe was covering his covering up to the like the first knuckle of his of his hand as he moved. And then to my right, where he gestured, was my friend Caroline. Caroline was in the natural, in the um, in the waiting room, praying for me in the natural. And wow. God showed my friend Caroline. And when he showed her to me, she was like a hologram. And she had her head bowed and her hands clasped. Now, I could not have known this. She came to be with my husband. She showed up after. And so God had showed me Caroline was there. And she was in a different spirit. Like I said, she was hologrammed like. And her head was bowed and her hands were in prayer position. She, she seemed like she was on a big screen. I could only see from her waist up. And, um, and God said, do you see? And I said, yes. That's my friend Caroline. And he said, she's praying for you at this exact moment. He said, prayer is important, and many have been praying for you. Lord, Lord wants us to know he hears the prayers of his saints. His saints. He hears the prayers of his saints. He says, prayers are praise to me. When we pray... It's like praise. And he said, tell them how much I love them. He says, my children, my saints, tell them how much I love them. And when he said, I love them, now he's talking about the body, those that are obedient and and love him and keep his commandments. Now, I'm not not here to say he doesn't love everybody. That's, that's That's not what I'm here to say. I'm here to... I'm talking to the saints right now and those that want to know the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart. He said, tell them I love them. And each time he said he loved his children, his children, it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. I love them. I love them. I love them. And he wanted me to know how much he loves us. And each time it grew louder and louder. I nodded and I said, yes. Yes, yes, Lord, yes. He says, those that know me will hear my voice and they will know the truth. He knows who truly loves him. He knows. You can say it. He says, they say, they say with their mouth that they love me, but their heart is far from me. Many say they believe. These are the things that he imparted to me. He says, many say that they believe in me, but they don't know what it means to believe. To believe is to obey and to trust in him. Many believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, too. Teach your children about Jesus Christ. Don't teach them about all those other things because it's going to be very hard for them to believe in God. These are the things he imparted to me. These are the things that he showed me when I was there. I had to repent. You can't, fall, you can't be in front of the Lord Jesus Christ and him not even show you your own heart. And the things that I needed to repent of as I was in his presence, I was sorrowful. I was repentant in the, in the, in, I was staring at the, at, at the glorious sun shining face of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I was sorrowful because I, I had fallen. And for him to give me this grace to see him, I didn't deserve it at all. Not at all. I'm no one special. 
John 18:37. Everyone who hears the truth hears my voice. Then he said, those that know me and turn their ear do not know the truth. Then he says, tell everyone the truth. I said, yes, Lord, yes, yes. I looked over to my far right, and I saw the light part, and then I saw bright blue, as, as what it appeared to be bright blue sky. It appears like nothing I'd ever seen, and I saw what looked like clouds in the distance, and I was straining to see what it was. I was like, I, like a child going, what's that, what's that, what's that? And I saw what looked like clouds, like I said, and in the distance I saw dancing, weaving, floating, what seemed like musical vibrations. I have no words to describe this. See, music is alive in the heavenly places. Music. Wow. And there's a lot of music that we listen to today that we call Christian that God does not call Christian. That's another show. (laughs) Um, Music is alive in the heavenly places. I sensed that there were messengers there, and I said, that is beautiful, Lord. What is that? What is that? Those are the prayers of my intercessors. And again, I said, that is beautiful. And he said, tell the church, tell my children to worship me in spirit and in truth. Okay, the church is not a building. I'm making this clear. This is not what I saw in the spirit. We are the church, those that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing and abiding in him, obeying and doing his will, walking in his will, and going against everything that is against the word of God. If you're not walking in his will, then you're not walking in the way. And that's the truth. (sighs) Okay. Um, amen. Amen. So he said, tell, them to, tell my children to worship me in spirit and in truth, to intercede in spirit and in truth. And he impressed upon my spirit, and he said, Elizabeth, there is no other word. There is no other book. If they seek me in any other book, they will not find me. And he didn't sit and... and, 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 and nitpick like a lot of us as Christians do, King James Version, New NIV. We know, we have a spirit. He showed me that we have, if we call ourselves children of God, okay, children of God, uh, what I'd like is I'd like people to read 1 John 3. He, He spoke to me about 1 John 3 as well. If we're of God, we do not practice sin. We do not practice sin. And he said, when you have the Holy Spirit, you will know the truth. And anything that is left out and anything that is added to, accursed is the man that takes out and adds to. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us all things. We need no man to teach us. Of course we have teachers. But the Word says we need no man to teach us but the Holy Spirit. So what is, what is omitted, what a man takes out, and he tries to take and make evil out of it, if you are abiding in God, if you're abiding in the truth, you will see and you will discern and you will know deception. You will know it if you are truly abiding in God and walking with him in all your ways and not leaning on your own understanding, but only what the word says, you will know what truth is. You don't, you, you don't have to have a book to teach you. 
You don't have to have a book to teach you how to go into the glory realm. You don't have to have a book to teach you how to how to find God. Yeah, you know, and and how we we need to stay clear of uh, of any other any other uh, teachings. You don't have to you don't have to read about Buddha to talk to a Buddhist. God's going to. I mean, we that's how careful we must be. Don't open doors. Um, and so now, um, when I woke up from, you know, when I, when they had revived me, so to speak, I, I had to have instantly, my, my girlfriend had left and I said to my husband, I'd seen Jesus. I'd seen Jesus. And I said, I need a piece of paper and a pen. People have, you have to write all of this down. And so... My first scribe was my friend. I actually called her only 10 minutes after coming out. They couldn't, the doctors couldn't believe it, and they knew it was a testimony. And when I went back, and there was a couple of things that I needed to speak to, to a few of the anesthesiologists in regards to what, what happened that day, they let me know, and they said that they knew that uh, I had had an experience on the table. There was no doubt. I couldn't speak to anybody for three days after, after that surgery. Um, so that that's the that's the experience that I had in in the I would say the heavenly realm. Now, I have to tell you, the Lord prepared me for for another place that He took me, and that was some time afterwards. Um, and I went to the gates of hell. And uh, God have mercy. Yeah. So He was preparing me for another surgery because, as as a lot of people know, when you have breast surgery. Um, you have many, many surgeries to come afterwards, and so he was preparing me for this next. And as I was in prayer, he said, "It's it, it's not going to be like the first." And I knew it. I knew in my spirit this was going to be terrifying. And uh, now I wasn't going to go to hell, but God was showing me what He saved me from, and and how I needed to warn. Uh, believe it or not, those that believe that they're Christian, mostly mostly those, because you know there's there's people that are gonna that don't care whether they go to hell. They think it's a party. It's not a party. They think they're going to see their friends, so they don't care whether or not they come to come to God. They they choose to go to hell, and that's that's sad, very sad, because there's no party in hell. I'll let you know that right now. Um, so I'd like to uh, thank the Lord for that visitation. I, Lord, I just ask right now that those that, that heard this word would know that they need to seek you, Lord God, and worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord God. Your word was that you were coming soon, Lord God, and, and that you love your children, Lord, that you love, love, love your children, Lord God. Father God, I just ask right now that you would reveal to those that, that if they're not walking, Father, in, the, in the, the fullness of what you've called us to, Lord God, that you would reveal it to them, that they would ask, they would seek, and that it would be revealed to them, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that is, is beautiful and majestic and beyond anything that my words are, are nothing in comparison to what you are, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for this visitation. I thank you, Lord that 
you are coming soon, Lord God, and you are preparing your children, Lord, and that we, we do not need to be afraid, Father God, for you are with us and you are faithful to be with us, Lord God, that we do not need to die, Father God, because the wages of sin are death, but those that walk with you do not willfully sin, Father God, so this way we will never die, Lord God, but we will cleave to you and we will be with you all the days of our lives and into eternity, Father God, which is a glorious thing prepared you are preparing for your saints, Lord God. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Children of God, I just, um, you know, what, what I'm really feeling impressed upon my spirit is that we must pray. We must pray, intercede, because it's beautiful to him. It's not about going to church. It's not about or a building called church. Um, and, you know, God bless you if you have a, uh, if you have someone that's shepherding you and 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 he's he's loving you the way that the Father has asked him to love you and not leading you astray. Um, praise God for that. Um, but it's not in a it's not in a mega church. It's not in a large building. Um, it's not about performance. It's not about entertainment. Worship is not hearing hearing a song that clicks in clicks in your um, in your in your soul, you know, in the soulish part of you, and and you know the words, and and you're singing along to the to the Lord. Um, you know, he knows the heart. So it's it's the heart that intercedes, and it's the spirit that intercedes. He knows. And if it's just a performance, he doesn't hear it. If, if they're just prayers that are just your, you know, just because prayers, um, God forgive me because uh, I fornicated and then you fornicate again. I'm being real. I'm being real with the church right now. We cannot compromise. Um, God knows empty prayers. God knows our empty heart. God knows that we need him and that we, that we say with our, our mouth that we love him and our heart is far from him. So I just ask that you get right with the Lord um, today. I'm going to go ahead and share the second part because this is, you know, I tell you, it was terrifying. It was terrifying knowing that I was a lukewarm Christian. It was terrifying knowing that my destiny was hell before I repented. You cannot come to the Lord with filthy rags over and over and over again. You cannot come to him thinking that um, he's just going to forgive you because, um, because you ask him to. It's called repentance. He knows a repentant heart. He knows somebody that's going to, you know, blaspheming his name, calling yourself a Christian, going out and doing the same thing over and over and over again, crucifying him over and over again because you want to play around. It's time to stop playing around. It's time to stop playing around. And this is not for those that are outside the church. This message is not for those that are outside the body of Christ. This message is for those that are in the body of Christ. A lot of times when we go out on the street, we're not, we're not lifting our voice and, um, and proclaiming these things to, the, to what God would call the heathen. 
they don't know any better. Really, quite frankly, God has revealed to me that, that most of the proclamation is for those that think that they know Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many Christians come up against the Word of God. It's unreal. It's just, it, and it, and this is not about me. This is about Jesus, you know, lifting up Jesus to the world. And so, anyway, I can, yeah, I can go on forever. Preacher, that's the truth. Let me go ahead and get this. If you need to take a break at any time to switch phones or change your battery, that's all right. Do whatever you need to do. Um, yeah, I'll make a, uh, a statement out there. Folks, uh, there's all kinds of people tuning in right now, and it's not a a mistake that you're tuning in. It's not a, a freak accident. Uh, you're here. You have an appointment with Destiny tonight. You You were brought over to listen to this program, so I would encourage you to hang in and listen to this entire testimony tonight. Let me give that back to you. Did I lose you, Sister Elizabeth? Okay, we may have uh, her changing the uh, battery on her line. For those of you that are tuning in, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. This is a live program tonight. Today is Wednesday, August 25th. And we've got on the line tonight, she'll be back momentarily, Elizabeth Nebenfuhr. She's sharing her testimony of how she died on the operating table. She was first given um, a glimpse of heaven. She actually left her body, caught up in the spirit, and was allowed to uh, catch a glimpse of heaven. And then uh, she got a glimpse of hell. And uh, that's what uh, we're going to be um, covering here in a moment. Let me go back to the phones, and we're going to get Elizabeth back on. Stand by. Hi, Elizabeth, Shannon. Are you back with us? Yes. yes, I am. Sorry about that. You're, All right. You're absolutely right. The phone was going to go dead. Okay, I'm calling you back here. Um, to pause and get into... Absolutely. Get into Take the. the go ahead. Can you hear me okay? Yes, uh, your volume's a little bit high. If you can turn it down just a, a okay. little bit, that'll tweak it a little bit. Not a problem. Okay, how's that? That's a little better. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Did you have any questions? Are we okay? Yes, absolutely. So, as I was explaining to those who were listening, uh, when you died the first time on the operating table when you were under anesthesia, uh, you were caught up. And you saw a glimpse of heaven. Yes. And, um, folks, that can happen, okay? They give you too much of the anesthesia, you're gone. You're, they give you the, the correct amount, you don't feel pain. They give you too much, your heart stops. Right. Um, she died. She was allowed to uh, see the Father mm-hmm. and go into, go into glory and get a, get a glimpse of heaven. And uh, that's the good news. Folks, that's what awaits us. If we're living for the Lord and we die in Him, uh, if we don't, uh, we're also going to catch a glimpse of something, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Let me give it back to you. Okay. All right. Um, now, November seventh, two 2006. Now, the first 
the first operation that I had that I was with the Lord in the heavenly realms um, was February 9, 2006. So in November of 2006, I had to go back, um, and that was uh, an expander implantation after mastectomy. Um, so with that, um, I'll just go ahead and, and uh, go forward. Um, turn off the can you can you hear me okay? I don't need to hear him. Just turn off. The oh, I think. Take the battery. No, okay. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, if, if we have to play back on the other on another line, we'll do so. Um, okay. We'll keep calling back. Don't worry. You know, if you lose us, we'll come back. Um, I knew that I was going to be with the Lord again. Uh, he had planted that in my spirit while I was in prayer. And so I prepared myself for my return um, in the spirit. I spent time with them and prepared myself. I just kept myself just open to really to whatever it was that he had for me without fear. Um so I arrived at the hospital, and I had a lot of things on my mind and on my heart. And one thing is, as I was getting prepped and ready to go, the doctors actually prayed with me this time. Um, it, it was uh, the first time; it was more like, okay, you know. But this time, they actually prayed because these are the now, mind you, I had the same set of doctors, and um, and they knew that the first time, even the anesthesiologist was the same anesthesiologist, and so. They knew me from my my previous, and I woke up telling people, I saw Jesus, I saw Jesus, and, you know, my mouth was just going a mile a minute as to what what the Lord was saying. So the second time they were like, okay, let's, we're definitely going to pray this time with her, and um, this, is, this is the real stuff. And so we prayed, and uh, then, I, then I had fallen asleep, and then, uh, then I would stand at, at the very moment, I fell asleep. I was standing with the Lord. And he was on my left-hand side. And he was just like a, just big again, just my big Lord. And, um, and I was holding his hand. And so he had my hand, and I felt like a little girl. I was definitely a child. It was, I, I can't explain it. I believe that this is why he says, come to me like a little child. So my spirit was, again, like a child. And I, I don't really think that we... We can be in his presence without coming with that, that sheer um, humility and, and expectancy like a child does. It, it's, I, I think as, as uh, sisters and brothers in Christ, you know what I'm talking about. So we have to go to him without any pride. You know, children, children aren't prideful. They're very humble, and they, they come to you when they want something. They come to you with a humble heart. Now, Uh, Elizabeth, we uh, we lost you there. Are you still there? Yes. Okay. Can you can you can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. There was just a pause oh. there. Uh, okay. I said that I was holding his hand, and I felt like a child. I and I knew that I was with my daddy. And he was he he is our daddy. He's our protector. He's our father. And when I was holding his hand, I knew that. I it was a very short. That it didn't seem like it was a long visit, but when I came back, I understand that I, they couldn't wake me up. And um, for an hour and a half, they could not wake me up. So I was in reco- recovery um, for an hour and a half after surgery. So that's unusual, too, though it seemed like a blink of an eye that I was there. Um, 
they said that they couldn't wake me on the operating table and they had to move me to the recovery room. And when they moved me there, then I was, you know, I couldn't speak again. It was probably about five days after this visitation because it was uh, so horrifying. And um, so when I was with the Lord, I was holding his hand, and I can remember just looking up to him. And I knew I'm, I'm with my God. I'm with my daddy again. Here I am. Uh, but it was, it was different. He was so incredibly serious. He was so serious. And it was so far, far removed from the first visit. Um, he said, I'm going to show you something. And he said, you have to be a big girl. And I said, okay. And he didn't say anything, just held my hand tight. And I held on to his. And he has a massive, beautiful hand. Beautiful hand. And he was holding, it, holding me firmly. And I took my eyes from him long enough to look in front of us. And I sensed that he was saying that he would not let go of my hand as long as I stayed by him and held on to him. And that I was never to take my spiritual eyes off of him, ever. And my, none of us are, none of us. And when he speaks to me, he, as he was speaking to me, this is a message for the whole body. This is a message for all those that are seeking God, all those that love him, all those that abide in him, all those that he calls his. So everything that he's telling me and I'm telling you, he's telling you. So we are never to take our spiritual eyes off of them. So it's hard to explain how one can do that in the natural, so we have to be in the spirit. Um, I believe that he was teaching me to keep alert. And this is a message, keep alert. Focused in the spiritual realm as well as the natural at all times. But I believe he was teaching me this and to teach you. And I'm not a teacher. I'm sharing it with you. So he, he's, he's our teacher. Um, so I looked in front of us and I saw darkness as black as black can be. How could I see darkness? I have no idea. But I saw darkness as far as my eyes can see was darkness. And I looked up to the Lord and I, and I said, what is that? What is that? And as I looked up at him, he said, that, my daughter, is utter darkness. And we stood together for some time, and he didn't say anything. He just held my hand, and I can feel his warmth. He was so warm, and I, can, and I sensed no fear. He told me, do not fear, though I believe I would have been terrified, absolutely terrified. Somehow I was able to see the darkness, and I was puzzled as to how. And um, how does one see darkness? And the thing is, is that he's light, and he's a light that shines upon the darkness. Now, again, I have to tell you, I didn't know scripture like I know scripture now. And so now it makes, you know, when I went back and to look into the word, I was like, that's what it is. He's the light that comes into the darkness. He's the light that exposes the darkness. And so now it, it makes clear sense to me. What, what I love about this is that there's no... Uh, this is how he, he made it so much that I couldn't, I didn't even know the word enough to to make something like this up in my head. And I tell you, this is so real, again, as, as you would take a hot match to your flesh. That's how real this is. So I actually saw the separation of the darkness as it was being commanded to reveal itself. And I... Um, 
I only know that the Lord was shining his light on the darkness, and later I learned from the Lord that his light was within me as well, and it was shining on the darkness. But I still, like a child, didn't know what I was seeing, and I asked the Lord again, what is that? His light was beautiful. As if, it were, if I were to describe his light, it, it was, as it was separating the darkness, I can only say it's the opposite of how fog looks as it rolls upon a valley on a mostly sunny day. I shared that with you the other day, Shannon, which is beautiful. Um, or how a black storm cloud appears on a mostly sunny day out of nowhere, like seeing a tornado come in. That's the only way that I can describe it. But this darkness went on forever and ever and ever. The lo- and the light shine was shining upon it forever, too. And I was sens- sensing at this time I was going to leave soon. I wanted to leave, but I didn't want, you know, I... I was with him, so I wasn't afraid. And I was like, why is my Lord so serious? He was so serious about what he was showing me. He was planting things in my spirit. And again, I asked for the third and last time, what is that? And he held my hand, and he said that he loved me. And he said, Elizabeth, I have to let go of your hand. I didn't want him to let go. And he said, that is utter darkness, that I needed to tell others about the utter darkness. And so at that moment, um, he let go of my hand, okay? And at that very, very moment before my body or my spirit went back into my body, this is what I knew. I knew that where I was, there was the absence, the absolute absence of everything that God is. There was nothing, yet there was something. Now, Listen to what I'm saying. There was nothing, yet there was something. Oh. And I'll, I'll tell you what that something is in a moment. There was no beauty. There was everywhere that the light shine, it was gone. There was just complete darkness, but it was, at that, it was ugly. See, when Jesus was there, even the dark was made beautiful. I can't explain it. I don't know how to explain it. It was the way that his light shined upon the darkness that was beautiful. Once that light was gone, it was ugly. It was, it was, there was impending death, death all around, void forever. There was nothing. As I spiritually left his side, I became so cold. I was so, so, so very cold. I even remember when I woke up, they actually wrapped me in something to warm me, but I was freezing, freezing. I was dead. And now the only thing that I, how I can describe it is like putting, putting your, you know, how a child puts his tongue. I was sharing this with you the other day, Shannon, that when you put your tongue to a popsicle and your, and your, and your tongue burns, that's what my whole body, all the way I could feel. And you go to hell. And I wasn't in hell. I was only at the gates. I know that I was at the gate. And I knew what was beyond, and what beyond was frightening. I could hear sounds. I was only there for a split second. He let go of my hand for a split second. That split second was like eternity. And my bone marrow, I felt my body and my bone and my bone marrow burning, burning. It was so freezing cold. Now, um. 
I don't know how that lined up with scripture. That was that was that boggled me. And then I shared with you the other day that the Lord had showed me um, where Moses had reached out and he touched, he put his hand in the air and he touched the darkness, even darkness that can be felt. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so. Um, you mentioned that, that uh, it could be akin to maybe someone that has uh, touched dry ice before. Yeah, dry ice. Dry ice. If anybody has ever, I, I used to be an um, a ice cream uh, driver, and the, we'd have to pack the dry the popsicles and such on dry ice. And I tell you, if you don't use gloves and you touch that dry ice, you will burn the skin right off of your hand. I mean, it's literally super cold. But what does it do, folks? It burns. It burns. And so you were, so, you were you were feeling the the ultimate cold, but it was it was so cold that it literally it was burning your skin, your bones, and the bone marrow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, folks, if you went into space and took off your spacesuit, I mean, utter darkness, absolute cold, it'd be over with. Go ahead. Did I lose you? Go ahead. Can you hear me okay? Yes. I'm turning okay. back to you. Yes. When, when he had spoken to me before he had let me go, he, he was telling me, he says, Elizabeth, there's a fine line. And I didn't know what he was saying until I realized, you know, he was talking about the narrow, the narrow path. He says, there's a fine line, Elizabeth, a fine line between calling yourself a Christian and living as one. And I tell you what, my inner core, every part of me shook because I was that person at one time. And the Lord Jesus Christ literally saved me. He saved me. Why? Because I, <laughs> he, I had a Damascus Road experience, but I threw my life into his. I threw my life into his. And there's a fine line between saying you're a Christian and living as a Christian. And that's what I, it, that was one of the last things that I remember hearing him say. It's a fine line. Tell them. Tell them it's a fine line, Elizabeth. It's a fine line. And what he showed me, what he had saved me from. I knew that if I hadn't submitted to God, there was no way that I was going to ever be able to resist the devil and he was going nowhere from my life if I didn't give my life to God. That's submitting to him, fully and completely submitting my life to him. That beyond the utter darkness is terrifying. I heard screams. It's a torment. There's no party there. Screams. Blaspheming our Lord. And this is only in a split second. He said that as, as believers in Christ, believers obeying in his word, following his commandments, that there are going to be many things that will come against us. And if we do not live our lives for him and our lives in love, for the love of others, we will not know that day when the darkness comes upon the earth. We will not be prepared. We will be the only light the unsaved see. We need to get right with God. These are the things he imparted to me. I do not know. I, okay, he says, they don't want, they don't want me saying to them to part from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. There's many that are going to come to him on that day saying, Lord, Lord, 
I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Now, as Christians, we know the scripture verse, okay? And he says, they're going to say, I do not, I do not, and he was serious. I do not want to tell them to part from me. I never knew you. These are people that proclaim to be Christians. These are not the unsaved. These are not the unbelievers. These are those that call him Lord. I was there. That's my testimony. I was. We need to produce fruit by not going here and going there, looking for him in, the, in these times to come in places instead of within us, within our prayer closet. This is what happened to me. If they say Jesus is here, there's this convention over here, and God's presence is here, and Jesus is here, and Jesus is here, don't listen to them. We need to get to know his character and walk with him. Be strong in him and in his mighty power. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Elizabeth, you made it through the gates, and that was terrible enough. Folks, um, pitch black, burning, screams, deafening noise, and uh, you don't even want to go beyond that point. Mm -hmm. People say uh, you're going to go down there and have a party. I'm going to be with my friends. I'm going to drink a beer. Folks, there is nobody down there that you're going to ever see again. You will be alone. And there will be no coming back. There will be no second chance. And it is forever. It says where there will be gnashing of teeth. The fire. Yeah. The world dieth not. Yeah. I didn't even see that. First Samuel 2, 9, 10, it says, He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. Don't be fooled, people, if you think that the wicked ones are only the unbelievers. That's not what God says. He, speak, he speaks to the disciples, and, and, and he speaks to them, and he says, All fornicators, all liars, all adulterers, all idolaters, which is very big, in the buildings right now, very big in, in, in uh, what, what most call the church. Um, he says they will, they will not find their place in the kingdom. All liars, all fornicators, where do they go? Come on, sisters and brothers in Christ, that's right. So the, the wicked ones are not just those that aren't doing his will uh, as a heathen that don't know the truth. It's those that are, know the truth. As well. I was there. I knew, you know, I, I grew up in Catholicism and I renounced it at 13. I was tossed to and fro, seeking the Lord. Um, I thought, well, I don't really need to read the Bible. I know Jesus. You know, I know I know the one, one verse that most a lot of people know, judge not, be judged. But the thing is, is that that's not not in its entirety, and we we know that we're not we are not to judge those that are on the outside. We're we're to judge those that are amongst us, by, and how we do that is to righteously judge. First, taking the plank out of our own eye before taking the speck of it out of another's. We 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 better be judging our sisters and brothers in in godly judgment, in righteous judgment, in spiritual judgment. Because if we don't, the blood will be on our hands. We are to warn those that are 
passing um, and and warn those that are in transgression against the Father in heaven and, uh, you know, cry out loud, spare not. Who are we to be warning? Well, all, but but I believe that in this day and hour, it's the lukewarm in the church. My my concern is is really for a lot a lot of people like how myself where I was and I didn't have a worship. I was walking in in sin and called myself a Christian. And then, you know you hear a lot of people say, well you know we've all sinned. You know, we all sin, we all sin. God, he says, be pure, be holy as I am holy. Yes, it does. Uh, you know, Elizabeth, yeah. um, it says in Matthew seven twenty two, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then why profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Right. And that's always haunted me because you're exactly right. That's not talking about the unbeliever there. That's talking about people who uh, had the authority to do these things and something went wrong. Yep. What is it that went wrong? They weren't walking in obedience to God. They weren't doing his will. They were doing their own will called idolatry using God. using God prostituting the anointing brother Briggs is here with me right now sitting here what was that brother okay we talk about the Elijah challenge and healing the sick casting out demons raising the dead freely you receive freely give and in the context of uh, public uh, proclamation out in the streets and that's what that's what we're supposed to do but Judas a scared you know, he healed the sick. He uh, cast out demons, just like the other 12. But he had a problem. Um, you know, he, he, he coveted. And I'm concerned more than ever with that verse that you just brought to light, Shannon. Um, you know, I never knew what that verse really meant until I'm actually, by God's grace and, 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 and mercy, Showing us, and, and we're actually doing some of these things. You know, not 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 a great, uh, not a whole lot, but we're we're starting to get ankle deep into this river of life. You know, laying our hands on a few sick folk who come and ask us to out in the streets, and God heals them. You know, and what's the temptation? The temptation is to get puffed up and pride. Say, wow, look what I did. I'm really something. You know, I ought to get paid for this. You know, go go in the way of Oral Roberts and. Yes. You know, you know, T.L. Osborne and, you know, all these other one-man shows. Those are the guys, and, and I'm in that, anybody who ventures into the real life-giving uh, gospel of Jesus Christ uh, is is susceptible. See, I don't believe in one saved. Uh, we're susceptible to being uh, among those. Apparently not. I went to hell. Yeah. You know. Apparently, Elizabeth doesn't believe in one saved, always saved either after experiencing a little bit of hell. Anyway, um, now I know that that verse is talking about guys like me and others out there who are starting to venture into the the real gospel message that Jesus birthed 
you know, 2,000 years ago, which most of the church today doesn't even believe in. So, yeah, I could, I could uh, like Paul said, after preaching to others, I could become reprobate. The Bible says in that that God did many mighty miracles through Paul. You know, even his, anointing, his handkerchief had uh, uh, some kind of virtue that God healed people uh, through uh, that kind of, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. It wasn't a gimmick or some kind of formula, but, you know, God is life. He's spirit. He's, he's, he's totally opposite of sickness and the curse and infirmity and all that stuff because of the curse of sin. So uh, we are susceptible to backsliding and uh, getting that covetous eye, that evil eye that Judas Iscariot had, yes. and it up. So, yeah, um, you know, when I first... comment uh, on that, brother, in support of what you said, folks, there's some that teach you can get saved and then you can go out and live any way you want and you're going to make it to heaven. That's a lie from the pits of hell. If you have someone that... Uh, has hurt you and you don't forgive and Jesus said uh, you should forgive 70 times 7 times a day if you do not forgive you don't make it into heaven folks because Jesus says if you do not forgive my father in heaven will not forgive you that shoots down the once saved always saved doctrine you don't make it into heaven if you don't forgive you cannot sin and expect to make it into heaven that's called backsliding God will always give you the opportunity to make a, a free will choice. And you can accept Christ, and then you can get out there and you can lose it and bust tail wide open. So we've got to be on guard and, and repent and stay covered in the blood of Jesus. That's the only way we're going to make it. You can't be lukewarm and say, I said the sinner's prayer, now I'm going back to living like, like the devil again. You won't make it like that. Let me throw it back to you, brother. Yeah, can I share a, a word that I got this morning? Um, Absolutely. I was uh, really asking the Lord, you know, and he's, he's wonderful. I'm washing dishes, and he's just talking to me like crazy. And uh, he says the dinner, it's as, as like when the dinner bell sounds, okay? There's a marriage feast, that is approaching for those that are in Christ, correct? Yes. There's a marriage feast. He says, the dinner bell sounds. Who is listening? Come now. Do not wait until you're starving. Wake up. It's like a child. He was showing me. It's like a child in bed, you know, on a, on a summer day, doesn't really want to get up, and only really wakes up because their tummy starts to growl and they need a bite to eat. And he says, wake up. Someone that wishes to sleep cannot be awakened. Even as the alarm sounds, they continue to hit the snooze button. If they desire to see the sun in its newness of the morning, they will awake. But if they desire to sleep, they will only awaken to darkness. That's what the Lord said to me this morning. Oh. Yeah. Did you with the, uh, the ten virgins? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the word. The ten virgins is the word this morning when I was sharing with brother this morning as well. He said, Elizabeth, did, did, is it like the ten virgins? I said, yep, that's what the Lord was telling me, like the ten virgins. You know, my grandmother has always said, uh, 
she said, you know, in these last days, we've got to sell out for Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, what do you mean sell out? And she says, I mean, 100%. You can't be 99% and then 1% foot in the world. you got to be hot or cold or I'll spit you out of my mouth. Hey, Shannon, what if Jesus was lukewarm and wasn't 100% for what he was about? Where would we be? Aren't we supposed to be like Christ? If any man named the name of Christ, let him walk as he walked. 100%. Go for the gush or don't go at all. Jesus said, count the cost. You know, sit down and see if you got enough soldiers to defeat the uh, oncoming army. You know, count the cost to see if you got enough money to build that, you know, building. Or else you're a fool. It's better not even to start out on this journey, you know, and poop out and pull back and, and withdraw and, you know, drop the ball, go back to the vomit. You know, it's better not even to start off. If you're not willing to go for it, 100% go for the gusto. Amen. That's all i got to say about that. Well, I, I want to I say something to you. Um, I, I'm in agreement. Uh, there's some that have thrown the ball and run back to Hollywood. I had two oh, conversations uh, in the last week and a half, brother. One said, uh, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm throwing in the towel. Another one says, I've, I've done the warning enough. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going underground. And I said, brother, you can't do that because you're a marked man now. And if you turn back, the enemy will eat you alive. And the word says, no man is fit for the kingdom of heaven who puts his shoulder to the, uh, the plow and looks back. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife? What happened? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a sobering warning. Because uh, it, it's all or nothing, folks. And, uh, you know, the Lord gave a brother uh, a word the other day, Numbers 3350 to 57. It talks about we have been called to go into enemy kept territory, help us set the captives free, drive out the inhabitants from the land, you know, the giants and the, and the, um, the demonic spirits and so forth. And if you don't do it, there'll be a thorn in your side, a prick in your eye, and it says, and God will do unto you as he meant to do unto them. And uh, to much that is given, much is required. So, folks, there is no excuse out here. You know, I tell you what's scary is that, that verse where Jesus said, many will cry, Lord, and Lord, in that day, and I'd say I knew them not, paraphrased, and then he says, um, straight is the gate, narrows the way, and few be that enter therein. That is something that has always haunted me. How hard is it going to be to get into heaven? It's, it's going to be, be easier easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. For a rich man, they enter heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, that's scary. I mean, yeah. that doesn't put uh, the fear of God in you. I don't know what, what will. I tremble thinking about that. Yeah. Shannon, the, the Greek says, about that gate, you know, it says narrow in our English verses, but it means constricted. It means it's really a tight squeeze. And the metaphor is you got to take everything off, you know, backpack, all the junk you're carrying. You almost got to get naked. Just turn sideways, suck in your fat gut, and just, you know, barely squeeze through that gate. That's what the Greek word's talking about. Constrained is the gate. And then, then you've got a narrow way. Uh, to walk, and it's uphill, you know, and there's there's cliffs on either side, you know, or almost. I think it's that highway of holiness we, we read about in Isaiah, which God says no beast shall come up thereon. 
In other words, the beast system, the world, sin, this world system, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God, you know, demons, they're not allowed on the highway of holiness. That's sinlessness. That's walking by faith, keeping your eyes on Jesus, like Sister said, the Lord impressed upon her to do, to not be afraid, because when you're afraid, you can't have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you've got to suck in your gut, strip off the world, squeeze through that gate, and then you've got to walk that narrow path. Now, the Lord, you know, we look at our, in our own mind, and we look around at the church, and we say, this is impossible. You know, how can, this, how can anybody get that? That's what the, apostles, the, the disciples said, Lord, if this is the case, who can be saved? And with God, all things are possible. That's the ticket, folks, with God. We can't do it. Only thing we can do is cooperate with him and uh, be, be uh, committed to uh, going the, the, the whole 100 and, uh, 101 yards. And uh, see, Jesus wants to, he, he's the only one that has eternal life, folks. In him is eternal life. It's not in your church. It's not in your good works. It's not in your super-duper theology where you think you got all your ducks lined up in a row. You know, it's not in your debate ability. It's, it's not in any of those things. Eternal life is only found in one human being, and that was Christ. And the man, Christ Jesus, the mediator between God and man. And if you're not in him, you're not having, you don't have eternal life. You may have church. You may have a reputation as a good person in church. You, know, you may be a real good singer in the choir or a music leader or pastor, uh, youth pastor. You know, list them all off. You know, none of them are scriptural, by the way, almost. Um, but if you're not in Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. You know, only he who came down, descended from heaven, is ascending up to heaven, Jesus said. And I am he that came down from heaven. He's the, he's the manna that came down. And, and we're to feed on him and get him in us and partake of his flesh and drink his blood. Is that cannibalism? No. That's talking about devouring his word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Get into that Bible, folks. Meditate on it. There's no other book. That's how you abide in him. You get that software uh, uh, changed. You know, you get rid of all the bad software system and in the world system, all those malwares and Trojans and all that baloney and garbage that you've been filling up your hard drive with, you hit the delete button and you start getting the soft software, the Holy Ghost, the truth in your computers. Amen to that. And, you know, um, folks, it is total surrender. Mm-hmm. There is no other option. You know, um, <laughs> if you thought this was hard enough, now add on the component that you and I who are listening to this right now are finding ourselves in the last day. And look at what we've got to face now. Tribulation, persecution, a second holocaust. This time it will be the Jews, Christians, and the patriots. Okay, there's going to be a great falling away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Men's hearts will fail them for the fear. And uh, we were talking about this the other day, Elizabeth. Uh, do the fearful make it into heaven? No. I mean, it, if, if, you, if you try to do it in the flesh, folks, it, it's going to be scary. And many people are so fearful. I was one of those. I had literally two tons of food, 20,000 rounds of ammo, 
And I had every preparation that was physically known to man. Night vision goggles, bulletproof vest. I was ready to go into a bunker because I let the spirit of fear grip me, and that wasn't going to do the Lord any good. We're not to trust in the arm of flesh. Elizabeth? We're not to trust in the arm of the flesh. You know, our... Our, we do, we're cursed. Yeah, we're cursed among God if we trust in the arm of the flesh. It was fear that was ruling me, paranoia, yeah. that uh, I had to do it myself or I wasn't going to survive what was coming. I mean, I know it's I know it's coming, and so do the elite of the world. They've already made preparations to go underground. But, folks, you don't get into heaven like that. You can't be a coward and make it into heaven. And God yeah. has called us as an end-time army to get out there on the front line, if we don't do it, who's going to go to battle against the host of hell, folks? Michael Baldea saw it. Mm-hmm. He was ready to throw in the towel, and God showed him a vision of the uh, the overlooking a canyon, and the the uh, the soldiers were down there sharpening their swords over the campfires, tent city down there, and he said they're getting ready to go to war. What do you call a soldier who flees right before the battle? And he said, uh, you can leave, but you're going to lose your reward. Mm -hmm. He says, I've trained you for such a time as now. And, folks, he's called each and every one of us to get into the battle, not to run, not to be fearful. It says that he that seeks to save his life will lose it, but he that will lose his life for my sake shall save it. We have been called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And that means walking away from everything if, it, if the Lord asks you to do it. Mm-hmm. I had to walk away from my wife five and a half months ago to come over here and get some training. Mm-hmm. It's been the toughest time in my life. And yeah, I you're told in my wife, I said, I have no option but to obey. Mm-hmm. And I said, if I obey the Lord, I don't know how it's all going to work out. We're going to be back together soon. But I said, if I don't, and I don't uh, follow the calling God has called me into right now, then I'm going to be a reprobate. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the toughest uh, things I've ever had to do, folks. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, did, what did Jesus give up for you and I? And as uh, Tom had said, if he had only been 99% and 1% undecided, he wouldn't have made it to the cross. We would all be toast. We'd all have no hope whatsoever. Right. So this is serious business. And time is very short, people. This thing could go off and I ran... Israel any day. It's a powder keg over there. Mm-hmm. Andrew Strom couldn't even get into the country the other day. It's mm-hmm. getting that bad. They shut him down at the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, persecution's coming on the church like never before. Judgment is falling, folks. So your time and my time is running out to decide whom are we going to serve. And then when we made that decision, we need to do it wholeheartedly or we could find ourselves before Jesus, and he says, I never knew you. Hey, Shannon, you know, what I, you, know, you know what I wish to God would happen? I wish to God that he would arrange it somehow for all the churches in America anyway to shut down and, and for God to block the way for all these church people to get their fix every Sunday. That would force them to stay home and face reality, and get into the Bible, and start feeding themselves, and they might get a revival going on in their own lives and their own families. Amen? 
That's the way. That's where I'm at anyway. From you know, sitting on a, a church pew once a week is not going to get us into heaven, is it? No. You know, when when I was with the Lord and He talked about the, He He showed me the things that that are coming. He said there's going to be catastrophic events and you know mass destruction, and you know, we don't see those things on the news. I'm not one that watches television, but I do, you know, I click on the True News and, you know, Rick Wiles and, um, you know, and even that doesn't even have, you know, that's that's blase in comparison to what the Lord showed me was getting ready to happen. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't even discount some of these uh prophecies that that men are having but um you know myself included because i've stepped before you know put the cart before the horse um and i won't do that again but these things are going to come to pass god doesn't you know he, he we prophesy in part and sometimes we do lean on our own understanding but but do know that um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna name a name here because this is a man of god um nathan leal he he prophesied some years back about the waters being polluted on Watchman's Cry. And most people were like, huh? You know, and he, he stood firm. He stood firm. You know, he didn't he didn't put a date to it. Um but, you know, he, he, he I'm sure he felt his spirit that it was soon and people were like, Huh, what? And guess what? The waters are polluted. The waters are polluted, and these are the things that the Lord showed, and he shows, he shows his prophets. He shows us these things. When we go out into the street and we lift up our voice, unfortunately, a lot of people only see three to five minutes, and I'm not trying to toot our horn by any means. I'm tooting the Lord Jesus Christ and only him and him crucified. But when we go out in the streets, people watch only three to five minutes of a video. They're not seeing a full day that we, we dedicate our life to, to serving him. And when we go out into Seattle, there's people that are dying all around us, either spiritually dying or physically dying. Um, and those that will come up to us and say, we're doing it wrong, I go to church, you're doing it wrong, you're judging people, they're walking by those that are dying. They're walking by those that are literally dying in the streets. And we say to them, you know what, this is the only way that we know how to do it. This is how God has um, imparted these things into us. He's given us, uh, he, he's told us that we need to be obedient just like you need to be obedient, right? You know, a lot of people probably tell you, wow, you left your wife? Well, you know, what's up with that? But you're being obedient to the Lord. You know you're being obedient to the Lord. And, and we're not to care what man thinks are we? So we do what we do, but I have to tell you that most of the opposition, again, is those that are churchgoers and that um, raise the man above God. God was so sad when he showed me things. He showed me how, what the condition of the body of Christ, it's a mess. It's a mess. We are exalting man. We are not exalting God. We're exalting men. And if you come up against some man, a, a so-called pastor, um, you, you, you're probably, you know, if they could crucify you, you know. Absolutely. It'll be the, uh, the Inquisition all over again. Mm-hmm. What did the Catholic Church do? <laughs> yeah, huh. 
They put people to the stake, folks. That day is coming back yeah. again. And let me clarify something. I didn't leave my wife, folks. Uh, I yeah. love my wife very much, and I'm yeah. trusting the Lord is going to put us back together. But yeah. He called me to the front lines. He drafted me. And if you've been drafted by the general, what are you supposed to do? Run AWOL? What is God asking you to do right now? Okay, those commands. Has he asked you to make a sacrifice for him? Or are you going to say, I can't do it, Lord. Uh, ask someone else. There are some that are saying that right now. They say, uh, I don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. And, folks, that could cost you your life in eternity. Boy, boy, now you push the button. They said, I don't have the gift of evangelism or, you know, some other phony baloney. That's not my calling. Hello, people. It's not a calling or a gift. It's a command to go out and preach the gospel. You know, follow him. Follow him. Little street preacher. You know, hand out a gospel tract to somebody if you can't preach, but at least do something. You know, that, that's not going to fly on Judgment Day. It's not, listen, it's not my gift or that's not my calling. Baloney. We're not to even love our, our, our mother, our father, our, our children. To love God. Not even our wife, you know, our husband, right? And what, what do you think happens to that rich man, rich man when Jesus said, um, you know, sell everything and follow me? And, and he, he didn't. He said, wait, you know, yeah, he... he, he Cut out. Are you still with me? Fell down on his face, repented, crying. crying with tears. It says, and guess what? He didn't. He didn't get. He didn't get his inheritance. He didn't get restored. No. Mm-mm. Wow. You know, uh, one of the scripture we've often read many times that we haven't really absorbed the meaning of, where it talks about the talents. They mm-hmm. gave one one five, ten, and what did the master do to the one that uh, had the one town and buried it? Share with us, brother. What did he do? <laughs> Go ahead. I believe he cast him in outer darkness and took it away and gave it to somebody else. Folks, failure is not an option. Wow. Well, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I know you gave me a, a, a you gave me a tongue I could speak. But I was afraid. I had something else to do. We, we all have an opportunity to do something for Christ. Yeah. Shannon, check this out. He was a servant. They were all servants. Don't tell me they were never saved. They backslid. That means they were never saved. No, they were servants. That means they were in the kingdom of God. And he threw one of them out because, first of all, he buried his talent in the earth, which is tip symbolic of putting it into the flesh, into the works of the flesh, you know, the earth, earthy, of the dust. And uh, he was afraid. And there Revelation 21, 8 says that all fearful and cowards will have their part in the lake of fire. He's talking to believers and the servants and those in the kingdom of God. Um, so, and, and the next thing is God was wroth. He was angry with that servant. And um, there's two different parables talking about this kind of a situation. Uh, in one of them, it says that the angels were commanded to bind hand and foot and to throw them in the outer darkness. In the other parable, I think it says that 
that servant was cut in half by God, by, you know, the angels or whatever. So, you know, don't give me this stuff, God is love. Yes, he is. But he's also um, somebody that you don't, uh, you know, take lightly. We're to fear God. That's another one people get offended with us out there in the streets. We've got these big banners that say, fear God. And oh boy, do the Christians come at us for that. You're supposed, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to fear God. You know, what are you, a cult? No, because the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear God. And the beginning of knowledge is what? Fear God. So I tell people, if you don't fear God, you're a stupid idiot, according to the Word of God. You can't give God, you can't even give God glory if you don't fear Him. It's just fear, fear God and give Him glory. You can't give God glory if you don't fear him. And a lot of people will say, oh, it's just reverent. It's a reverent fear. Oh, let me tell you, he, the, the devil trembles because yeah. he fears God. The, the devil has more faith than all of evangelicalism put together because it, at least he trembles. He believes it so much. I, I like to ask these Christians, how come you're not trembling? Man, that about makes them want to crucify you. Yeah, we tremble. The Apostle Paul trembled. He came not in wisdom of uh, philosophies and great mighty power and word craftiness. He came trembling. You know, his knees knocked. Our knees knocked. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I'm afraid to to lift up my voice for Jesus in public. So am I. Mm -hmm. So was Jesus. He was tempted in every point like we are. Do you think he went in there with, you know, all kinds of super-duper confidence? No, he was a man just like you and I. Except he yielded all his humanity to his father. And God filled him and used him as an example for each and every one of us to follow in his footsteps. If Jesus can do it, so can we. Yes, we are afraid. My knees knock when I preach out in the open air. So, you know, I haven't got it on anybody else out there who's never done this. We're all just, you know, weak, uh, made of dust. Uh, vessels that God is number one. He saved our souls and our you know spirits from eternal torment in the lake of fire, and He did that by going to the cross naked, outside the gates, outside the you know the, the city there, and uh, you know can't we hand out a gospel track of Jesus went naked to the cross, a bloody pulp? Um, you know, come on, people. See, this is the problem of being uh, so brainwashed in the church system where the status quo isn't even in the Bible. You know, compare the church today with the Book of Acts church. You know, that's a little homework for you people. Um, you know, you know, all I can say... Uh, Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty eight, he says, And fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what Jesus has to say about fear, folks. Yeah. Now, you you tell me when you go out, let's say, you know, you go, like yesterday I went to a uh, water park with my little one and, um, and the brothers and sisters in Christ here, and... Uh, you know, I was like, God, I don't, you know, I don't really don't want to go. You know, uh, Brother Briggs uh, couldn't join us. He had gardening to do. He has a harvest to uh, to tend to. But um, as we were out, 
you know, the Lord says, if, if we're going to go out in that world, we're, we're to lift up our voice. I mean, there's, there's no, like I said the last time, lifestyle evangelism. I look around and people tell me that they're, you know, they look at me and, and, and you know, those talking and saying they're Christian. I, there was a woman yesterday I was talking to, she was reading a book and, and she was reading a vampire book. Um, I, there's, we're going to do another show, are we? <laughs> there's some Absolutely. about what the Lord showed me about parents that are allowing their children to walk through the fire. You know, we're to go and snatch the, the, the children of God, you know, that, that are, if we even stumble one of these little ones, we might as well tie a millstone around our neck and toss ourselves into the, the sea. It means we might as well commit suicide. We might as well kill ourselves than to have one of these little ones stumble. Now, a Christian mother was reading a book, and I, and I couldn't, the Lord was impressing upon me that it was a, it was a vampire book, but um, I couldn't tell. I don't read any of those things. And, and so I walked, what was that? It wasn't a twilight. It was, uh, vampires are pretty big right now, so it wasn't just the twilight. There's a lot of other vampire uh, romance novels, whatever that means for uh, demonic, opening, opening up doors to the uh, incubus and the succubus. Yes. Uh, oh, and uh, so, you know, your, your, your children are, you're wondering why your children are having nightmares. You're wondering why they're indulging in sex before the ages of 12 years old because the incubus and the succubus have entered into their dream state. These books are demonic. I, I really would like another child. Because I got so much to share, and God is grieved. He's crying. He cries through His servants. When we go out into the street, I weep. And so here I am yesterday, and I'm I'm speaking very gently and very lovingly to this woman with meekness, and um and we're talking about you know, her being a Christian, and I asked her why she was reading it, and she said because his daughter asked her to. God have mercy. Folks, uh, we've let our ch- children go to see Harry Potter. They've come home indoctrinated in witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, Avatar, the whole shebang, all of it. Consider Avatar. It's coming back with yeah. extra nine minutes of footage. And if all you let your kids go to that, they're going to come back with a Kundalini demon inside of them. This is not a joking matter, folks. This is serious. Those demonic spirits are coming into the eye gateway. And you get a demon in, it can be very tough to get it out. This is not a joking matter. We cannot have a double standard and say we love the Lord and you say, here, let me give you $20 so you can go to the mall. What, we don't even ask them what they're going to do with it. And they go up and they get in line with these other kids and they get in there or they go to the rock concert and they come back demonized. And the spirit of suicide hits them like Marie Osmond's son. And he dives off the balcony. He's dead. That's how this stuff happens, folks. Yeah, we have to do a whole program just on that. Uh, these uh, these gateways. Um, but let me ask you a question, Elizabeth and Tom. Are you still there? Did I lose you? Folks, this is live radio. We may be having just a little bit of technical difficulties. Hang on with us. 
Let me see if I can get him back on the line here. Uh, are you still with me? Hello. Okay, we, I lost you there just for a second. Okay, will you hear it now? Uh, and listen, I can hear you perfect now. Uh, good, let good. Me, let me ask you a question. Uh, I had to stop. I started to preach. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, we let me missed. ask you a question. So there's there's a lot of people tuning in right now, and they say, okay, you've, you've got my attention. I realize that now is the time to turn my life around. God yeah. has given me an, an opportunity. I'm still breathing. And yeah. there is a chance uh, to get on the right track here. What, and Perton says, well, what do I do? Where, where, where do I begin? What would be um, your word for them? How can they rectify uh, the mistakes that we've made so far and get back on track with Jesus? Well, I would say do as Paul did. Um, look at your life from this moment forward and everything that you've learned from books, from man, from theology, um, and count it as dung. Start again, repent. Repent and ask the Lord to, to baptize you anew. Um, and I promise you that, that he'll, he'll do, he'll, he'll finish what he started in you. What do you say, brother? Um, I would say the first thing to do is, uh, number one, and I'm not promoting a ministry or, you know, another book or something, but I am promoting the Word of God. And Ray Comfort has, uh, he's in the groove in this area of evangelism. Hell's best kept secret. Go to the Internet, listen to it as an audio MP3 or watch a video of it. Hell's best kept secret. Um, that's what God used to turn my life around mm-hmm. from a life of uh, getting into pornography, hitting the beer bottle, uh, lukewarmness, you know. Um, God used that message, hell's best kept secret, to get me back on track. You know, and I'm not saying that's a, that's a mandatory thing, but I would suggest it's not going to hurt. And then get yourself some gospel tracks. And just start leaving them around town everywhere you go. That's how that's how you get in into what the Bible is talking about in the book of Acts. Because the only reason Jesus and the Bible and the Holy Ghost, baptism and all that stuff is in this world today is evangelism. Is to bring in the lost sheep of the house of the... If you're not into evangelism, you're into nothing. Hang it up. Quit. Stop. Go back to watching pornography on the Internet, going to the baseball games on Sunday, drinking. Stop being a Christian. Stop. You're heaping more judgment upon yourself by playing the game and and going on in this phony, baloney, good-time, plastic banana Christianity, you know, where you're getting your ears tickled and getting a pep talk by a motivational speaker. Just stop. You know, and hang it up. Or repent, like Sister said, like Paul said. He threw all his Bible college, you know, seminars and training in the toilet that he might have Christ and him crucified. And then do what the Word of God says to do. Don't rationalize it. Don't make excuses for your fears. You know, just let... There's one thing Joyce Millionaire Myers said that I agree with. She said, if you're afraid 
about what God's called you and commanded you to do, do it afraid. And I say amen to that, Joyce Millionaire Myers. <laughs> but that the rest she sheds is garbage. I don't know. Does that help? Does that help explain what I think people should do? I don't know. A- absolutely, folks. If you think uh, you're going to get to heaven playing the um, the televangelist lottery, sending your money in, that's not going to get you anywhere except broke. And probably a one-way ticket to hell, if that's all you're doing. You know, um, what, what the Lord really impressed upon me is, is to be purified. Um, purification. How does that happen? Well, you have to stop sinning. Now, people say, well, that's not possible. We all sin. That would be calling our Lord a liar. Because he said to that woman, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And there's a reason why he said those things. Um, and neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Our Jesus told this woman to go and sin no more. I was that woman. You know, we're all in the Bible here somewhere. Every one of us has a life like one of these. That's why he, that's why he gave that to us so that we can see. And you know what? She went and she sinned no more. She walked. She followed him. That's what that means, following him, obeying him, walking with him, being with him, being one with him, in one accord, continuing in, in, in going before him and, and telling him, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, take it out. Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, First John 3 talks he talks to his children. Who are his children? We're not all his children. The world is not his. It, it, those that are in the world, walking in the worldly way, not doing the will of the Father, are not his children. His children are those that are doing his will. Those that have, call, that have called him to be their Lord, uh, uh, believing in him, obeying in him. There's one thing believing in, but there's another to believe upon. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We, so he says in uh, 1 John 3, we'll go to 1 John 3. Um, listen, can I read scripture really quick? I, listen, really, we've got all the time in the world. Go for it. Says 1 John 3, he says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, and he's speaking to us, that he would call us children, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. Now, let me tell you, I've got a, I know I'm probably going to get something here, New American Standard Bible. Now, take out your KJV. Uh, you, can, you can read the word, uh, if you... But I'm reading the New American Standard because this is what I have in my hand at this time. Uh, if you want me to ring the, read the King James, I could do that too. Um, I would want everyone to read what they what they call the, their 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 holy Bible. Um, there's only one. Okay. So I'm not going to judge anybody in that. I, I I think the point, folks, is you better get the Bible. Yeah, grab your Bible. First uh, John three. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We will know. 
that when he appears, we will be like him. Now, we, we, that's what we, we want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God, no one who is born of God, born again, practices sin. Now, I added the born again, born of God. But no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Okay, you have to be born again to be born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. How do we love our brother? Ask the Lord. It's simple. It's simple. You love them by telling them the truth. You love them by telling them the truth. Truth is, you can't, that right here, you cannot continue in willful sin and enter the kingdom of God. It is impossible. Amen to that. Folks, we have to forgive one another, we have to love one another, and we have to tell our friends and family the truth. Yes. Or we're going to be accountable. The blood will be on our hands. They're not going to like you. They're going to call you a holier-than-thou, holier, holy roller, fanatic, hypocrite, cult, all of it. The Lord said to me that I was not to care what man thinks. I was right before him saying, they're going to mock me. They're going to make fun of me. They're not going to believe me. They're going to think this is crazy. You know, my my life in Christ is not just going out in the street and, and lifting up my voice on a Saturday morning. It's every day. My life in Christ is not on a Sunday. And yesterday when I, when, when I was out at the water park, I let my light shine before men. We are not to look like them. and it, We are not to look like the world in any way, shape, or form. Lift your holy hands up. Don't be afraid of what people think. Lift your holy hands up. And if you feel there's a song in your heart to sing unto the Lord, do it with all your might. Don't be ashamed. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Do you think that there's a song in your spirit only for you? Do you think that you have a personal Jesus? God, God is, yes, God is a personal God, but he's a God to be shared with all the world, whether they want to hear it or not. That's what he told me. You go and you tell them. You tell them, I'm coming soon. Now what? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit in my, in, in my snuggeries and stay inside my house and not tell them? He told me to tell them. Tell them I'm coming soon. That's the whole world, too. 
You know, he's coming soon for everyone, for judgment and for those that he's going to take home with him. Either way, we're going to, we all have to stand before him. We need to be prepared. We need to get ready. Ask him what that looks like. He says there's hopelessness that's going to come. You tell me that the person that's in the church sitting on Sunday morning, when that hopelessness comes, because we see it all around us in the Pike Place markets and the Seattle, Seattle centers area here in Seattle, people living on the street, down on their luck, or whatever you want to call it, and you know what? They're in hopelessness. They are in despair. Now, not it's all gonna, on drugs. And they're not, oh, and you know what? Not everyone got there by doing drugs and drinking. We speak to them. We talk to them. We're on a personal level with many of them. They didn't get there. They were just like you and me going to church on Sunday, going to church on Saturday, going to church on Wednesday and Monday and five days a week and, you know, had the big car in the garage and, and a big house and the dogs and the fish to go with it. And ten kids running around, guess what? They lost everything. Why? Because of where we are in the economy today. It could be any one of us. We're a, we are all a, a paycheck away, really, from being where any one of those people are. Don't, don't be fooled, people. We are. And you know what? It first has to start by, Jesus said, sell everything and follow me. These people love the Lord. They lost everything. Then they came to the drugs and the alcohol. It's a sad, sad story out here in Seattle. We are the most unchurched state. A lot of witchcraft here. And those that are going to church are dabbling in the strange fire. That's, that's what we have here, the strange fire. And people believe it's God. That's what we're going up against here. You think, you think we don't get scared? Sometimes we do. We have people draw circles around us and stars and, in, and, and incan- do incantations, you know, spit upon us, throw sick, and it, you know, just do it. Do it afraid. Jesus, I, have mercy. No, that's, that's the truth, folks. Um, we have a virus in the church, and it's, uh, it's not the Holy Spirit in all cases. It's a counterfeit spirit. I've seen mm-hmm. it. I talked to a, a guy who he's a acknowledged warlock, and he told me he was practicing speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. And he would go home at night, and he would cast spells using herbs and use his own blood. And was being discipled by a shaman, and my jaw dropped down. I said, what do you mean you've been practicing speaking in tongues? I said, brother, that's not the Holy Spirit that you're speaking in. And if, if that were possible, for him to go into a church as witches or warlocks are being sent all over the country to infiltrate churches, and they're behind some pulpits, even on national TV, folks. Do you have the discernment of the Spirit to tell the real from the counterfeit? And we see this toking the ghost. Mm -hmm. There's a strange fire out there in the land. Mm -hmm. And back to I wanted to make another point. The Word says judgment starts first in the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where do the sinner and the ungodly appear? We haven't even seen the crash yet, folks. Mm-mm. We're going to see massive jobs loss, dollar devaluation, famine in America. 
Hopelessness. Read Lamentations if you want to find out what our future is. Can you hear, brother? Absolutely. Read Lamentations. And we're going to be at ground zero for it all here in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so another time I'll have to share with you, but the Lord, the Lord allowed me to go into places that most people don't get a, a, a chance to go to unless, of course, they're dabbling in that stuff. But I was... Uh, I don't have a problem with naming names. Um, he had me travel. I asked him to show me what deception looked like. I said, Lord, it says that even the elect will be deceived if possible. Yes. And um, this, is, this is how you can know that you'll go further than just the gateway of hell if you dabble in these things, okay? It's more than just a kundalini spirit that's going on, Okay. You know, that, that, that's getting thrown out a lot, Kundalini. Okay, God hates, he hates those things. I'll tell you what's coming, what, what he hates. He hates, he hates those that tolerate the Jezebel spirit. He hates divorce, okay? Yes. And he hates, he hates those that, <laughs> he hates those that walk in sin, willful sin, and people might not like what I just said, but he's God. He hates all workers of iniquity. And people say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. So you're going to throw it out? You're going to throw it out? Okay, is Jesus not the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does he not walk in the character of our Father in heaven? Yes, he does. Okay, he loves and he hates. I can't understand it, but he does. He doesn't throw just the sin into hell. He throws the sinner, body and spirit, into hell, people. I had to leave a church because, well, for many reasons, but because the pastor was telling people that God was not angry and that it was, hell was only the separation of God's presence. Oh, you know what? People feel like that every day. They feel separated from God if they're not seeking him. Okay, a lot of a lot of Christians only pray to God when they want something from Him, or when they're in yeah, when they're in trouble. You know, I know because I was one of those. Okay, I'm, I'm not void of of ever feeling that way. I I was that way. I was reprobate. I I, I wasn't walking with the Lord in, in in all that He has for us as as His children, and it's about what we can do for Him. Elizabeth, you know? the uh, the Catholics believe that they can uh, go to hell and make it through purgatory and get a second chance. Mm-hmm. We get a yeah, second they do. Yeah, the, I... the spirit leaves the body. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up in Catholicism and renounced it. Um, actually, the the priests would tell my mom to <laughs> remove me from the church because, um, you know, at that time I I had a calling. I guess I as one would say, you know. to on my life that uh, I, re- I would raise up in, in church and say, he is risen. I would take my little rosary beads, I put, I put Jesus 
on the bottom of my palm and then roll my little rosary up in my, the palm of my hand and then just bring Jesus up out, out from amongst the rosary beads and say, He has risen really loud because I was tired of seeing him hanging on the cross when I knew that he wasn't on the cross anymore. And the priest told my mom not to bring me to church anymore because I was being rebellious. And, you know, I was bringing the truth. <laughs> I was bringing the truth at the age of like eight or nine. You know, I can't, I can't change who I am. People tell me all the time I should be silent. You're still being thrown out of <laughs> You know, uh, back to the Patricia King thing there. There's, there's, there's her name, Patricia King. I, yes. I, did, I did some things for Patricia King. I saw some things, Shannon. Tell us about I, I saw behind the scenes. Um, there, there's a ministry up here, and I was asked to go down there and, um, and the ministry was bringing the light into the darkness, and I was go I was going into uh, what you know strip clubs and things as such here, um, into uh, novelty stores, and talking to the girls that are working in those places, and the uh, very familiar here in the Seattle area, and and around surrounding areas is. Um, Expresso stands. We're we're big on our espresso here, but the yeah. girls are nude, par partially nude on the inside. You know, most people say, oh, they got to, You know, no, they're they're more nude than they are dressed. And so I would go and I'd speak to them about Jesus and go into the um, the strip uh, places and go in and talk to them about Jesus. Well, she found out about it and wanted me to share my testimony. And as I shared my testimony. They can see an anointing. They know, or I guess that that's what you would call it um, in their terminology, is the anointing or the gifting. And they asked me to stay on, and I started seeing things. And they were taught. I I got the Lord showed me uh, a, the supernatural. Um, they did that big supernatural thing, the glory school. They were having people get down, and the Lord says, Elizabeth, stay with me, and you know. He had me spy out the land, literally spy out the land, I, you know, and see what was going on behind the scenes of these people, what they were really doing. They're prostituting an anointing. And I tell you what, the day is coming. If they do not repent, if they do not repent, God's hand, his swift hand is going to come upon them, and they, they think that they... They feel the Holy Spirit. They don't know what the Holy Spirit is because this Holy Spirit is going to come and it's going to knock them down. And it's not. And then they truly are going to be slain in the Spirit. And I'm saying this with boldness, boldness, and not not in pride, in boldness of the Lord. He is angry. He is angry at these ministries. Folks, and I I have no problem naming names. When you say Just slain, like Andrew Strum. Read, read I I came word. from that. Yeah. I came from that. I touched. I, I didn't touch those things. I watched those things, and I watched people be touched by those things. And I tell you, it's a lot bigger than just the Kundalini. You've seen some people bending backwards, haven't you? I have absolutely, like like that that Linda Blair thing. Absolutely, people bending backwards. I have known women that loved their husbands and went for a week to a supernatural and went home and asked their husbands for a divorce. You've seen them Kundalini. To actually stick together, and they couldn't even prime apart. There's another woman. Yes, she went into a trance, and then her knees, the front of her kneecaps. Okay, if you can picture this, it was so grotesque. 
that we had to carry her around until we could catch our flight and go back home. And once we got on the airplane, then then it all it all lifted off of her. But I tell you what, you get anywhere near that um, Phoenix, Arizona, anywhere near that that where they have their little conferences, and there is something in the spirit that just sucks you right in. There's a vortex there. They call it the. It it absolutely is. What about Absol- the one that uh, they were calling down strange fire, and she really got fired, didn't she? Oh, oh. Yeah, you watched that she video, did you? She was trying to put herself out. She was rolling herself on the floor and screaming and banging herself up against walls like somebody that was on fire. Uh, before uh, Todd Bentley had even gotten busted, so to speak, right? Yes. I had had a dream, and the Lord had shown me this. Uh, I knew of Todd Bentley from years back before he even got one tattoo, so that's a big fat lie. Um, he got all those tattoos after the fact, but we're not going to get into tattoos right now either. Was that um, before or after he uh, divorced his wife and ran off with his secretary? Yeah, before. Okay. Um, I had a dream years ago, and there was this young man, Todd Bentley, that was up on stage, and he was pouring buckets of water over people's heads. And people were coming up, and they were laying their heads on the altar, so to speak, and he was pouring buckets of water. And uh, there's more to the dream. There was people, there was actually, I watched people that I knew go off to the left of the stage, and I was on the right. And I was actually on, then a girl came up to me, and she was deaf, and she couldn't hear nor speak. And I told her to stay with me. And so she stayed on the right. Todd Bentley tried to put water on my head, but my head was covered, and I wouldn't take my covering off of my head. And um, and he was he he whispered to his assistant that was on stage to get rid of me because I was a spy. And um, and then I watched friends of mine, people from church sisters in Christ go off to the left, lay their heads on the altar, so to speak, and he poured water over their heads. And when I woke up from that dream, the Lord showed me that he was was brainwashing people. I mean, it's clear as day. And I was telling people in the church that I was going to at that time, and no one believed me. And now all that stuff is in there. Well, and uh, and the the truth came out, folks, that he was in adultery. He would go up on stage and he was drunk, and he was actually worshiping a fallen angel named Emma. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, he was teaching people to astral project into the third heaven. And uh, then John Crowder has now replaced him. And I think we've got one even worse. Yeah, there's quite a few of them. Yeah, John Crowder, Ben Dunn, Georgie and Banoff, Winnie Banoff. Um, they, want yeah, you to, uh, they want you to smoke a heavenly marijuana stick, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Smoking the ghost? I saw that um, there's a church up here in Seattle, and uh, the Lord had me go there, and they were drinking. They were, uh, John Crowder was passing around bottles of water. Um, that was one time, and then Patricia King was having people, uh, well, she was part of the ministry that was having um, Tracy Armstrong. He's a Citadel church here up in Seattle. I'm telling you, I have no problems saying names. The Lord told me to, to, to expose those that are in darkness and, and call out those that are whitewashed tombs. And, 
you know, people might say, Elizabeth, you shouldn't be doing that. I have no fear of man. I have no fear of the devil. I have no fear. King is a New Age witch, folks. Let me just... Yes, uh, she is. And um, so there was a get-together up here with um, Pat Robinson's son, and he's hanging out with Patricia King and all the others as well. And they're passing out water. I actually got thrown out, literally uh, bumped and bruised, thrown by three bouncers because I rose up in the spirit when... Um, a man was on stage, uh, Cal, Pierce. Cal Pierce from uh, over here in Spokane, Washington. He took over uh, John G. Lake's uh, gathering here. And, and he rose up and he spoke about a man named John Wimber, who was uh, unbeknownst to me. There was some strange stuff going on, but the Holy Spirit rose me up and said, John, uh, John Wimber is a false prophet. Just very loud. I mean, I was I was to stay quiet for three days, and then all of a sudden the the Holy Spirit rose up and said, John uh, John Wimber is a false prophet. With everything that I'd seen, that was the one thing the Holy Spirit rose up about. And because it's all connected, you know, it's connected. It's a domino effect. It goes from those that are laying on graves. Um, that's what John Crowder does. He lays on graves and uh, says he gets the anointing from the grave graves of of all of these past. Um, uh, evangelist and what what not, but folks, that's called necromancy. Yes, uh, sir, it is. That, uh, would pull the power from the grave of um, what's that evangelist name? The lady, uh, Catherine Coleman. Catherine, right? Coleman, folks, that's necromancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, when I rose up, the three bouncers. One of the bouncers said, "I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were in here for this." and and, I, you know, God, the Lord showed me how I had to be undercover. So, I, I mean, it, it, was, it was crazy how I had to go in there. And I'm telling you, they were, they were having psychedelic music going on. They had the drum beats. They had um, hypno, this hypnotizing thing that was going on around the stage that was a triangle that was just going around in a circle, around and around and around. Wow. And strobe lights. And um, they're calling it the ecstasy and the bliss and uh, drinking water. And, see, they passed around water, and I wouldn't partake. So that, you know, I went, and so they they watched to see who's going to partake. And I didn't partake. And um, I wasn't the only one. I, I took a couple of other friends in with me, and they didn't partake too. So, anyway, that's that story. And... So I'm ex- God said, expose them. This is not church. This is not, God's, this is not God's house. These are not God's people. Now God's people are going in there, and they're getting filled with garbage. And they will be, they, 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 they will be destroyed for lack of knowledge Folks, and not inquiring of the Lord. Of, uh, He's a million me. demons that you can receive, okay? Any one Legions. of them bad. They're they passing around. Time. Go ahead. They're passing around a little baby Jesus from the manger, a little baby Jesus, okay, from the manger, and sucking on it, like back in the day, you know, uh, back in the hippie, hippie movement and whatnot, whatever you want to call it, they, they have these things called toke stones, and they put the joint in it, or the pot, and then they suck on it. Well, they're, they say, toke on baby Jesus, and they would pass around a little baby Jesus from a manger, and suck off of it, or put their fingers together and go, and okay, and also take their fingers 
and go up to one another like they're injecting in a vein in between the L, you know the the main yeah main lining and and they would slap each other in that area to get a you know to main line or whatever and and shoot up and, uh, pretending to shoot up at the holy ghost folks that's demonic and that's blasphemy yeah absolutely it's it's beyond. I, I'm just like sucking off of the uh, the sides of the uh, the cross timbers. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is general here again. You know, we're kind of like touching on the extreme, extreme prophetic. You know, and all that stuff. I, so a lot of the folks out there might be thinking, well, my 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 pastor sister so and so she doesn't do that. Thank God. Well, you know what? The Bible is against women pastors, women evangelists, women apostles. Those are all masculine gender nouns in Ephesians chapter 4. Now, we're talking about a Jezebel spirit in the church. There she is. And now I'm not just going to be anti-female leaders in the church. I'm also going to talk about pastors who have the same Jezebel spirit it's manipulation, it's control, it's uh, evil. And I'm going to nail the nail on the head and get these evangelical churches on, on notice that God is angry with you also. It's not just the charismaniacs out there shaking and barking and tweaking and twitching. It's the more subdued, laid-back uh, churches that are in rebellion to God's word where they put a woman in leadership, that is anti-Christ and anti-scriptural. The Lord rebukes you. You are to cease and desist. The church is not run by women because of the angels, because Eve was deceived, not the man. Now, how is that for a little contention and strife there from uh, someone who doesn't care what they think about me? But I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says, people, because I don't have my shingle out there. I'm not trying to raise money to build a castle on a corner. Now, if you want to get right with God, and that's what we've been talking about tonight, so you don't end up splitting hell wide open. You women pastors and evangelists and apostles and bishops and whatnot, cease and desist in the name of Jesus. This is serious stuff. I'm sorry, Shannon, if you lose listenership or, you know, whatever, but, you know, um, God is not mocked. I'm not here to make friends. I'm out here to put the truth. If we don't tell you the truth, folks, we're held accountable. That's right. So, you know, we might as well hit them all. You know, do I have problems in my life? Well, I, I'm sure I do. Um, you know, if you want to if you want to take pot, shot at, pot shots at general here, I've been divorced twice. Now, am I trying to be an elder and a bishop and a this and a that and the other thing? No. I'm just trying to obey Jesus and go out and preach the gospel, you know. Um, and I'm not, you know, I have a little pension from UPS. I get half of what uh, I had stored up with me because this state, it's a community property state, and my my uh, wife has got, you know, half of everything. That's fine. Um, you know, Lord bless her and, and help her to get on fire like I am. Maybe we'll get back together again. So there you go. Shoot away at me, folks. But I'm going to tell you what. I fear God, and I fear his word. And if we don't march in step with him, he's going to kick us out of the army into hell. 
And that's a scary thing to fall into the hands of the living God playing church and blaspheming his name. If you call yourself a Christian and you're not following Jesus, you are committing blasphemy. The Lord says you're not to take his name in vain. That means his nature, his character, and his authority. Because you're causing the heathen, the pagans, to blaspheme the name of God, just like the Jews did. So it's time to clean house and quit playing games, get off the fence. You know, another thing I want to hit is entertainment in the church, worshiptainment. These rock and roll bands that they call them worship bands and the, and the, and the worship pastor. Where is that in the Bible? Worship Worship leader. You know, I want to see the Spirit of God fall on these churches with all these big speakers and amplifiers and and, uh, big uh, LCD monitors and screens overhead. Pull the plug on the church. I want to see the Spirit of God move. He ain't moving. You know why? He never was moving. You people are moving in the realm of the soul and the flesh. You're not worshiping God in spirit and truth. You're entertaining people. And I'm starting to shake here, and I don't know what that means. But you better cease and desist, too. That's not worshiping God in spirit and truth. That's worshiping God in the soul and in the flesh. And you're putting on a show, trying to outdo the other castle down the corner, so you get more people, so you get bigger offerings, and you keep them there, and you don't want to ever say anything about the real Jesus of the Bible unless you offend somebody because the cross is offensive. And the gospel and Jesus Christ himself is offensive. So you better not upset the people or they're going to go to the other church who tickles their ears better than you do. You know, the Lord is sick of this lukewarm, apostate, Laodicean church. You know, they're rich. They have need of nothing. They'd even even kick Jesus out of the church because he's knocking on the door. Hello, church, let me in. That's not a salvation scripture. He's, that's, a, that's a rebuke to the church of Laodicea. They kicked Jesus out, and he's knocking to be let back in. You know, there comes a promise with that, too. He says, those who overcome in that Laodicean church will I grant to sit with me in my throne. So there you go. The severity of God and the goodness of God. You take your pick. It's a choice. Amen. Here's the phone for Sister Elizabeth. General Briggs, but you know, they don't preach that on the TV, do they? All they're concerned about is how you can have your best life today. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell that to the martyrs out there in the Coliseum uh, dirt floor with the lions coming at them. Oh, Jesus wants you to have your best life now. The future is the best life ahead. You know, Joel Osteen, I call him Wolf Osteen. Joel Wolftooth. He's a false prophet. The Lord rebukes Joel Osteen in Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Repent or you will perish. Folks, go watch his Larry King interview. He, He doesn't even believe Jesus Christ is the only way. Yeah, another one's Mark Driscoll. They were both on uh, public national television shows. Mark Driscoll went down to the Crystal Cathedral with Robert Schuller, the Freemason, and shook hands and called Robert Schuller his brother, 
and he had a perfect opportunity on national TV down there to, to preach the gospel, but he dropped the ball, he compromised, he tickled their ears, and he said, all that matters is if you dig, do you dig Jesus? Mark Driscoll. God have mercy. Another whitewashed tomb. We went and preached in front of his church. You can see it on our YouTube channel, not to blow our trumpet to their own horn. But Jesus called us in Ephesians 5.11 to be not partakers of the workers of darkness, but rather to reprove them and expose them. And that's what we do by God's grace. Because there are innocent sheep who don't know any better, who are going to these places that everybody thinks is, you know, the, the house of God, you know, led by the man of God, you know. And God is concerned about these sheep, and he sends us there to lift up his name, and he said he will draw all men unto him. Who, who, who's all these all men that he's drawing? All the remnant of Israel. All the lost sheep of the house of, it, uh, the house of Israel. That's the all who he's drawing. You know? Um, and, and this is real Bible Christianity, folks. Uh, um you know, well, I think they're reading out of a different Bible. I mean, uh, the folks I talk to, they believe Jesus has called them to have a Rolex watch, pick up their check for a million dollars, and if they yep. don't, then um, there's something wrong with them. Folks, Jesus called us to pick up our cross and follow him. That means death. Death to self. Death to sin. Death to popularity. Death to the good life. Death to what grandma and grandpa think about you. Death to what your wife and your children think about you. Death to what your pastor thinks about you. The cross means death, people. That's what real gospel Christianity in the Bible is talking about. It's death. You cannot have life until you die. Right. Now, you have your choice. You can voluntarily lay down your life and pick up your cross and follow him and die. Now, without a gun or a machete at your throat or a guillotine. Or you can hold out and muddle through, and compromise, and play the game, and then get hauled off into a FEMA camp and get your head cut off there. Or you can, you know, say, oh, I renounce Christ, and then go to hell. That's where we're heading, folks. You know, this. oh, another group I want to hit, Christian patriots. Yes. Christian patriots, you're of the devil. You're not of your father's kingdom, you're of this worldly kingdom. Either it's the United States or some other national country that's uh, led by a principality of power in the air, a demon spirit. They're the demon over the United States, and you're marching to his orders, you Christian patriots. You're resisting him that's evil. And God says you're to submit and lay down your life to those who are evil. You're not to resist them. You're not to kill them. You're not to rise up against the leaders God has ordained over, over you. You're to submit to them. Because they're the servants of God. And you resist God when you come against Obama and all these other characters who you uh, deem as a threat to your pie in the sky, your mom's apple pie and baseball and good times in America. That's what you're fighting for. You're not fighting for righteousness. You're fighting to keep your status uh, quo, your, your big fat bank check and all that. Keep going and keep going. That's what you're fighting for. You're not fighting for righteousness. You're not fighting to restore, um, you know, decency and, and, and godliness and in this nation. You hypocrites, the Lord rebukes you, Christian patriots. You're the reason why 
the, the, the nations are going to turn against real Christians because you're going to do something stupid and foolish in the name of your God, Mammon, the love of money, and cause a ruckus and a riot and, and, and get these other demon-possessed people mad at the real Christians who are submitting to the government God has placed over us. I've got to How do you like that, Shannon? I've got to add one to that, folks, because I was a Christian patriot, okay? And the Lord had to deal with me on that. He has not called you to pick up an AR-15 and fight the New World Order. That's right. He called you to pick up your cross and follow him. Right. It says that he that lives by the sword, I'm going to put in there AR-15, must also die by the sword, okay? If you want to escape what is coming and see Jesus Christ, that's not your way out. Nope. God sent Babylon against Israel, and he sent the prophet Jeremiah and told them, because of your sin, I'm going to send you into captivity for seven, captivity for 70 years. It's it. And when they lay siege, do not pick up the sword or you're going to die. And, yep. God and do not go down to Egypt to recruit their armies to fight your battle against God's uh, anointed. That's right. Preach it, Shannon. They went down to Egypt, and Egypt turned their back on them. Okay? And I said, well, God, what am I supposed to do? And he said, uh... Trust in me. Do not lean on the arm of the flesh. Okay? Trust not in horses and chariots. Trust not in your AR-15, okay, and your 308 rifle, and your night vision goggles. You're not going to stop the New World Order because God is sending it as a tool of judgment against America. God himself is allowing this to happen One to sift the saints, okay, and find out who's going to be willing to lay down their life for his son, or who's going to be rebellious and try to pick up arms. Because if you're leaning on the arm of flesh, you're not wanting to lay down your life. You're trying to save your own skin. Right. Get out of this one alive, folks. Yep. uh, No murderer goes into the kingdom of God. If you pick up a weapon and kill somebody in the name of your God, United States of America, or mammon, or your political persuasion, or your favorite pastor like this Baldwin guy down there in Florida, who's kind of like, uh, you know, there's even that are that are getting on this bandwagon of political uh, Christian patriotism. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Dobbenmeyer, Pastor Salt Ministries, you know, he's another one. Um, you know, and, and so... The deal is this, folks. Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 1 through 11 says that if you have an idol in your heart, and you know how much God hates idols, idolatry. He's a jealous God. If you have an idol in your heart, when you come to before Yahweh, God, inquiring of the Lord, the Lord says in Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 1 through 11, that he will answer you according to your idol, to deceive you in the name of Jesus. How do you like that? To take you down because of your idol. And that's what's happening in America and Christianity. These patriots, their idol is Christian patriotism. You know, in the Kundalini movement, their idol is another Jesus to give them goosebumps without going to the cross first. Uh, name your, your favorite idol, pornography, whatever. Um, you know, your church, your church pastor. That's a big idol in America. 
You worship your idol. The head pastor, the senior pastor, you give them a big hand clap. Pastor Appreciation Week or month or whatever. You know, and pastor's not even a word in the, in, the, in the Bible. The Greek word means a herdsman. And it's a multiple uh, faceted group of men who are called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which is evangelism. So, anyhow, I'm going That's off a little we're bit. we're covering all these areas tonight. And I'll tell you why, because we love you. We're trying to That's tell right. the truth, and we're trying to make you understand that Satan's diversified, and he'll take you down if you go down any of these paths. The only way to escape this one is to surrender 100% to the Lord Jesus of Christ while you still have breath and the ability to do that. That's what I have to say, brother. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Uh, this is a live show tonight, okay? We've been preaching the truth here. Uh, stand by. Let me get the brothers back on there. Okay. Uh, I think I lost yes. you. went on mute. I wanted to say one other thing, for, uh, Brother Briggs, about uh, getting rich, the prosperity movement. What did okay. you say about the rich man entering heaven? Yeah. Folks, do you really want to be? <laughs> do you want to be rich? I've been rich and I've been poor. I've been poor, folks. I've had ten million dollars in my in my uh, possession. As God is my witness, and I've had thirty-five cents to my name. And let me tell you something. Please enter your remote the time access I had code. The money, I didn't need God. Let me tell you what the Bible says about the rich man. Uh, how is it, easy is it for them uh, to enter into heaven, Brother Briggs? How, how, how easy is it for a rich man to enter heaven? Yes. Well, how easy is it for a rich man to go through the eye of a darning needle? That's how easy it is for a rich man to enter heaven. Repeat that one more time, please. It's as easy for a rich man like T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, uh, his favorite rich televangelist, Paul Crouch, Benny the Hair Hinn, no, I'm still here. Go ahead. Oh, uh, did we lose Brother Briggs? Okay, I think we did. Uh, stand by, folks. This is live radio, okay? But we're hitting um, we're hitting truth here tonight. Okay, it's easier for a rich man. Uh, brother, you back on with us? Hi, you there? Yes, I am. Okay, hang on. He was he, he got, hang on. I told him he needs to breathe so we know whether or not he's on. Hang on. Okay, there we go. Can you hear us? Yes. Uh, I would like you all to repeat again uh, to the people out there listening that uh, are sowing their $1,000 seeds so they can become a millionaire. Um, what does the Bible say about uh, the rich man entering into heaven? Okay. If, if, if you are rich, your chances of getting into the kingdom of God are as great as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a darning needle. And that's not talking about some gate in the wall in Jerusalem. It's talking about a real, literal darning needle. And that is impossible. Folks, you better be careful what you wish for, okay? And that's not what Christ came 
came okay. for. He didn't come to make us a millionaire. Um, but you should put your reward up in heaven where moth and the thief and the rust can't corrupt it or steal it. That's where you're supposed to put your reward. And how are you going to do that? You're going to get that by going out and doing what uh, they've been saying tonight, and that is evangelize. Okay, hand out tracts and do what Jesus said to do. That's how we're going to have reward, eternal reward. And so, uh, you know, Satan is diversified. He'll try any way he can to take you down. And what we're just trying to point out here tonight is the only way out of this scenario, folks, okay, is uh, to get busy, sell out to Jesus Christ, get busy about his, his work, and um, we can make it. Anything else is going to take you down. You go down the Patriot Road, you're going to lose your life. You get caught up in this false fire anointing, you're going to spin off with a, a demonic spirit, which is ultimately going to bring in a suicide spirit, and you're toast. Mm-hmm. All right. Can you hear us? We're back. Sure. We have about okay. 12 minutes remaining. What else would you like to say in the time remaining? Um, I would like to just encourage folks to enter the fray. Um, you know, I, I think an evangelist has this on his mind day and night, and that's what I do, evangelism. And that's what the, the biblical definition of the evangelist is. It's not a guy who goes to church, you know, and holds a revival, sells his CDs and DVDs and books, and then goes to the next church. Um, that, you know, that's just a business. That's just a, making a living. I am really concerned about the welfare of God's people. And there's one thing that God has shown me in the last five years since I repented of lukewarmness, and, you know, this is something that God has done, and he'll do it with all of you out there, too, if you're willing to uh, lay everything down and get serious with God. And that is this. Jesus came to seek and save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Evangelism is is where revival's at. Evangelism is where... God protecting you in the days ahead is at. Evangelism is where holiness is at. Evangelism is where getting up on your cross really is where the rubber meets the road is at. Evangelism is that E word. You know why you hate the dreaded E word evangelism? It's because you're afraid. And number two, you haven't been trained. Jesus spent three and a half years training his disciples to evangelize and to carry on his example after he gave up his life in the flesh and ascended into heaven. He says, repent of your sins, not baptized, that is not an option, folks, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the sign. And then go out and you will be witness. That's where that's square one in the gospel Bible. That's where you start. Repentance. Repentance means changing your mind 
and changing your behavior to line up with your new way of thinking. That's what repent means. And Jesus said, if you do not repent, you will all likewise perish. And he was addressing the church of his day, the Jews, and specifically the Jewish leaders. So that's where we begin. Repent, repent, repent. Stop sinning. Stop thinking the way you've been thinking. How do you change the way you think? You get in the Bible. You start soaking it up. You meditate on it. You study it. Study to show yourselves approved as a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, that you might do the will of God, that you might know the perfect and good will of God. Um, have his mind in you, which is also in Christ. What mind is that? It's the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. If you're not reading your Bible, how can you get the word of God in you and become and talk and think and behave Jesus? That's the fruit. Jesus in you, the hope of glory. If you're not producing fruit, you ain't going to heaven, folks. Plain and simple. And like I said, getting to evangelism, the one thing the devil hates is evangelism and preaching the gospel. Because he knows that if you do that, you are going to live holy, you're going to pursue righteousness, you're going to get in the world to answer questions out there and to disciple people. You can't leave it up to the pastor. That is unscriptural. That is Antichrist. That's Jezebel. That's, that's of the devil. Jesus puts the only but I wanted to uh, add that Jesus says, you shall know them by their fruits. Folks, if we don't have any fruit, we're in trouble. We need to examine ourselves. Are we in the faith? So uh, it's, a, it's a sober message that we've had tonight. Uh, we do it out of love. You know, if we wanted to make money, we would be telling you to sow your seed so that you can receive a, a thousand-fold return, okay, like they're doing on TV. And uh, the only reason to be prosperous in this time and hour is if you're going to use it for the ministry of Jesus Christ. There's a little time, folks. We're running out of time. If you want any fruit, we need, you need to get busy now. And I'm speaking to myself, too. We've got, to, we've got to change what we're doing. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results each time. To, to borrow someone else's definition there. And uh, I think we've got uh, Brother Briggs back on. Let me get him back on. Brother? Yeah, I don't know where we... I don't... Have you lost it still? <laughs> I'm walking around. I think I'm out preaching out in the streets or something. Elizabeth says, do you know we've been on the radio for three hours? I say, well, what's, that's no different than preaching out in the streets. You know, we... But listen... Listen, when you're on a Mega Man radio, the time flies. Yeah. Um, uh, I praise God for the truth that's coming out tonight. Um Brother Briggs, you have about six minutes. What else would you like to say? Um, where did I drop off at? I can't remember. Well, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, I, I use the, the term, what Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, fruits, fruits. John chapter 15. <laughs> I'm standing up. i got to sit down. John chapter 15. Jesus is looking for fruit. God is looking for fruit. The husband and the father is looking for fruit. If you don't have fruit, your history, your toast, you're, you're, pulled, you're yanked out of the vine, thrown in the pile, the burn pile, and you're cooked in the fire. 
Wow. You better produce fruit, people. And that's not love, joy, peace, long suffering. That's not the fruit. The fruit is what did what 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 seed did uh, God plant? There's a seed. There's only one seed. Abraham comes to mind. Oh yeah, a promise was made to the seed of Abraham. That seed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And how do you get? Christ in you to produce fruit, it's through faith. Faith. Abraham had faith, but that's not all he had. He had works. You want to call it work salvation? You go right ahead, mister. Because James says if you don't have works, your faith is meaningless. Because faith is a verb. It's not just a noun. If all you got is faith alone, Mr. Lutherian, you know, Mr. Evangelical, faith alone, uh-uh, that's a lie of the devil. That's half-truth. Half-truth is no truth. The whole truth is you've got to have faith, yes, but more than the devil. The devil's got faith. He trembles. You know, you evangelicals, you Pentecostals, you say you've got faith, how come you're not trembling? The devil's got more faith than you, and he's, he's not going to heaven. So what makes you think you're going to go to heaven when you got faith alone? Repent. Faith without works is dead. You know why there's such a backlash and a knee-jerk reaction against works? It's because Protestantism is a knee-jerk reaction and a full pendulum swing away from the works of the Catholic Church, which put works before faith. They left off faith. They were banking on works. So the Protestants swing way to the opposite string, have nothing to do with works, and they all bank on faith. And that's where they put their stake, their stake in the ground. And they're not pulling that stake up because they don't want to have nothing to do with works. Well, guess what? The devil's got you coming and going, people. That's right. If you don't have works to go along with what you come, speak, what you speak, or what you believe in your heart, if you don't speak that and confess that out, you're not saved because salvation comes by believing unto righteousness in your heart and confessing it with your mouth. That's the works. You know, if you say Jesus is the Savior and you don't tell anybody, and I'm not talking about talking about Jesus in church. That doesn't count. That's friendly fire. That's friendly company. You know, that's our, that's our team. I'm talking about out there in the enemy's camp where they need to hear that Jesus is Lord. If you're not confessing Jesus before men out there, you're not saved. Don't kid yourself. The Bible says, be a doer, not a hearer only. Deceiving yourself. And the fall of your house will be great when the floods come. There's a flood coming, folks. It's called the Great Tribulation. It's called Nibiru, Planet X, World War Three, Gulf of Oil Apocalypse, Gulf of Mexico Apocalypse, you name it. God's got lots of things in his bag of tricks that he's got lined up, you know, just like one of these pyrotechnic fireworks shows on the 4th of July. You know, all he's got to do is light the fuse and the whole thing's going to go off. And in seven years, it's going to be over. Well, eight, because the eighth year is the day of the Lord when he wipes off all the sinners from the face of the earth. Isaiah chapter 9, um, verses 7 through 13, I believe it is, or Isaiah 13. We've got uh, one minute remaining. I want to say, folks, uh, if I could sum it up, he that wins souls is wise. That's it. 
Okay, uh, Brother uh, Briggs and Elizabeth, I want to praise God for you and thank you for coming on and sharing your testimony, Elizabeth. Thank you uh, so much. I've, that's a, yeah, thank you for, thank you for, for allowing me to share. And um, would you tell us in the remaining minute uh, how people can uh, get in touch with Salt Ministries? Sure. Just go to your Internet, type in www.saltministries.wordpress.com, and uh, that will take you to our website where we promote biblical evangelism and how to do it. We have a lot of links there. You're going to have to teach yourself because we're just five people, you know, on a shoe. We don't even have a budget. <laughs> so it's a, kind of like help yourself kind of a thing. Teach yourself. The Holy Spirit will teach. All, he, all he's looking for is willingness. And, uh, and obey the little bit of light you got, and he'll give you more. So that's saltministries.wordpress.com. Okay, brother? And also check out the video he recommended, Hell's Best Kept Secrets. We'll put a link up to that as well. You've been listening to Omega Man Radio. God bless you, General Briggs, and uh, brother and sister at Nebenfure. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, and uh, we're going to have this up in the archives, folks. This is one that you want to download, okay, and you want to listen to from the beginning. Uh, There's truth in this whole three hours. So God bless you for tuning in tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow on Omega Man Radio. Thank you, guys. Good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Do you listen to other radio programs and then say, where's the beef? Tune in each day to Omega Man Radio, the show that will put meat on your spirit man's bones.